0: reach for God. So if we tarry just a moment, don't make it anything strange. God's wooing us and He's pulling on us. He's almost begging us to reach for Him. We need to be sensitive to how the Lord is moving and what He's asking from each of us. What He's asking from us, amen. He's asking for a heart's cry this morning. He's asking for a sincerity to reach for our nation, to reach for our existence as it were. freedom is not free it never has been God gives us freedom in the spirit but it's a freedom to choose him not a freedom to do what we want to do not a freedom to act the way we want to act not a freedom to start making governments and laws that goes against the governments and laws of the spirit that's not true freedom that's disobedience He gives us the freedom to come to Him with open heart and open hands. A freedom to worship. A freedom to have communication, to hear, amen, what the Spirit would say to the church, to the body, to the heart, amen. And we've took our freedom in vain. And we've used it in ways that wasn't pleasing to God. And I just feel his heart breaking. Because we are addressing God this month. We are addressing Him as a nation, a nation that has forgotten God. <laughs> and our voice is ringing so clear. To not make a decision is to make a decision. To not do anything is to do something. And I can just feel the heart of God grieved. You know, He woke me up this morning and He began to talk to me about uh, Genesis chapter 11. If y'all want to go there just And I'm just going to feel for the Lord. This is what I have on my heart. But if this ain't the way God wants me to go, then we'll just stop and pray until Brother Metter comes out. I mean, that's fine with me. That's where we're failing is finding the presence of God. And that's exactly what the Lord spoke to me this morning. And He spoke to me and he said, study is good. Going to church is good. Come on, somebody, I need you with me for just a second. Studying the Word of God is a good thing to do. Can I get an amen right there? Going to church is a good thing to do. Amen. Uh, uh, Reading a commentary is a good thing to do. Educating yourself in the Word of God is a good thing to do. But if we're not spending time, quality time, alone with God then we're still missing the mark. Stopping our bad habits is a good thing to do. Dressing appropriately is a good thing to do. But if we're not spending time alone with God in fellowship, then all of it's in vain. And the Lord began to speak to me this morning I mean, woke me up talking to me about how his heart is grieved. And this was the scripture that I went to was uh, Genesis 11. Now, I'm going to read just a few verses in Genesis 11. But to fully understand Genesis 11, you've got to kind of flip over to Genesis 10 and start with verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. That word Nimrod means rebel. We know that there was, you know, after the flood, Noah had three sons. And it begins to tell a little bit about the genealogy right after the flood. When all of the earth was destroyed in the sight of God. But there was one man that found grace in the, eye, in the eyes of God. In the sight of God. And God spared him a remnant that would that believed in him and worshipped him. Everybody say it with me. Worshipped him. <laughs> worshipped him. And this is a genealogy. And Cush begat Nimrod. And Nimrod was a rebel. He, I mean, they just come from the flood, Brother Justin. <laughs> and began to populate. And all of a sudden uprises a rebel. And listen to what it says. It says, He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Not mighty in the eyes of God. Not mighty in worship. Not mighty in reading the word. He began to be a warrior. He began to attack people. He began to overcome people. Listen to what the Bible said. He was a mighty hunter Before the Lord. Can I tell you, if you'll go back and study, you'll realize this man did not hunt deer. He did not hunt goats or bears or food. He hunted men. And and that word before don't mean that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Like he went out and he killed a bear and he was like, See what I did for you, God? No, this word, this scripture here said, He hunted men in the face of God. He was a rebel. He wasn't looking for lost souls to bring into the kingdom. He was looking for somebody he could overcome and destroy. He was a mighty warrior. He hunted men that was created in the likeness of God. And he did it right in the face of God. And the Bible said that his fame began to spread and grow. He began to form a a band of people. That followed him, not knowing the word. Because if they had known the word, surely they wouldn't have done those things, right? But these very people, they remembered the flood too. They weren't that far from the flood. How long ago has it been since our Lord came to this earth and bled and died to free us from sin and powers of darkness? How far removed are we that we're following occults and junk teaching and junk preaching? How far removed are we from the blood of the cross? Come on, somebody. This is serious this morning. This prayer that I entered into, it was serious. It was sobering. It should have been. This morning when God woke me up, it was a sobering word. This word right here is a sobering word. We don't even realize that there is one that is being birthed on this earth to overcome us. And yet we're still following along in our cult religions, in our cult denominations, thinking that we're doing God a service, waiting for some giant to stand up and free us from what? Politics? Free free us from what? Taxes? High gas prices? What are we serving God for this morning? I'm still serving God for a soul, Sister Pat. I'm still serving God for my family, Sister Kathy. (laughs) No matter who becomes president, I want to tell you something. This world's in a downward spiral. This nation's in a downward spiral. We need to pray and beg God. Yes, we do. Because listen at what happened. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was (laughs) Babel. Not the beginning of his city, not the beginning of his reign, not the beginning of a great following. But the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Now we're going to go over to chapter 11, verse 1. But I just want you to know something before we go there. I always thought the, the word Babel meant to babble. Just to babble on about nothingness. You ever heard somebody just babble? And you're sitting there thinking, oh, how long do I have to listen to this before I can interject and say, got to go. Right? Because they're just babbling on about nothingness. And that's what and I always thought that's what that word babel meant. But that word babel if you study it is BAB which means a gateway. BAB is a gateway and EL is the beginning of El Shaddai. What he called his kingdom was the gateway to God. That's what babel means. The gateway to God. That's what Nimrod the rebel began to build. He started out as a baby. A sweet little toddler Like every every one of us. Just like Hitler. Just like Stalin. (laughs) Sweet little baby. But as he began to grow, evil set in. He entertained spirits, Brother Donald, until they possessed him. Until they overcame him. And then he became Nimrod the rebel against God, who hunted men in the face of God and overcame them. And then he made a decree. God said, I want you to disperse. And I want you to populate the earth. But Nimrod began to say, no. No, this is what we're going to do. Chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language. One language. There is something going on there. And we think, about, we think about it and we read it as a, in a literal context. They all understood Babel. They all understood that one language. But can I tell you today that this is, you know, a prophecy is looking ahead. I don't know what you call looking behind and gleaning from it and learning from it, but we need to understand we have one language in this world today. One language. It's not English. It's not Spanish. It's not Italian. It's not Mandarin. It's World Wide Web. Come on. Everybody speaks it. We want to preach against Facebook, but Facebook is just one dialect. Everybody speaks the web. Everybody has a device in their hand or at home, in their car, that they can hook up to the World Wide Web. I mean from children. They can operate it better than the older folk. We all speak web. We all do every single one of us Christians alike, and that's what God began to deal with me this morning. He began to talk to me, and He said, "Susie, do you understand where you're standing in time right now? Do you understand how close we are?" And I kind of I woke up, and I'm like, "Well, well, we're we're in the end time." And God said, "Wake up! Literally, open your eyes. Sit up." I'm talking to you. Do you understand where we're at? God was not pleased with this. God's not pleased with us. We think we're okay when we're the problem. The church is the problem. And I don't know what we have to do to wake up. I don't even know anymore. The Bible said the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. They understood each other. I want to tell you, we can get on our web and we can talk to anybody, anywhere, anytime. One language. At work, we can Google uh, Spanish and talk to somebody, talking to our phone and then hold the phone up and talk to somebody else. We can have a conversation and not know what each other's even saying. But we can communicate. How? Through that one language. Through that one device. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east. From, that's very symbolic. They're leaving the east. They're journeying from the east. We've left the old paths. And we've made our own path. And we've called it God. And we've called it religion just because we look different or we talk different or we we refuse to eat a certain place or go a certain place. We've called that God. But God said that's not fellowship. (laughs) And it's not God without fellowship. It's never God without fellowship. You can't have a marriage without relationship. Relationship. You can have a certificate that hangs on the wall. You can have a ring on your finger. But is that fellowship? Is that relationship? Have you become one? You've got to have that with God. We've put on all the airs, but we haven't actually entered into relationship. And even if we do, it's, a, it's an in and an out. It's an in and an out. It's an in and an out. God said... Return unto me, all you backsliders, because I'm married unto you. You in and outers. You pray one day, you don't the next. You study one day, you don't the next. You give God your tithe one week, you don't the next. Come on. He said, return unto me in truth and in fullness. God's wanting a fullness. He's ready for a fullness. Do y'all know what I mean by fullness? He's ready for a maturity. He's ready for a turning around. (laughs) And and, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there, modern-day Iraq. And they said one to another, Go to and let us make brick. Does that sound familiar to anybody when you're reading over that? Does it kind of give you a shiver down your spine? Do you actually stop and say, wait a minute, I've heard those words before. Let us. I mean, I feel it right now. It's scary. In the beginning, God said, let us make man. And now here's the people saying, let us make brick. Do you know what brick is made out of? Clay. Do you see how serious this is getting? Let us make brick. Let us make something of clay. We're creators. We're made in the image of the Creator. He gave us the ability to think and to create. So let us create something against God because we're rebelling on God. We're disobedient to God. Oh, we're going to make a temple and we're going to call it the temple of God. But God ain't got nothing to do with it. It's just an image. It's an idol. We come to church and worship idols. The house of God, we've turned into an idol because we'll come here, but we won't go there. We'll come here, but we won't hit our knees. We'll come here and we'll chant, we'll preach, we'll minister, but we never speak to God. Our religion has become an idol to us. And we have no power anymore. And we wonder why we can't cast out devils. We wonder why the, 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 our community is in such a shape it's in. We wonder why just the person down the road, our our, our county commissioners are corrupt. Our, our, our county uh, uh, government is corrupt. My God, we're going to pray for the White House when we can't even uh, handle our own county? What about our own homes? Somebody's got to get Real. Somebody's got to say so. Amen. And they said one to another, Go to and let us make brick. (laughs) Now, if you go over to 1 Peter 2 and 5, you'll find out that the Bible talks about God didn't use bricks to build a tabernacle, He used stone. He used stone. That's the spiritual tabernacle, is in 1 Peter 2 and 5. And if you're taking notes, you can go over to 1 Kings 6 and 7 and read where the first tabernacle was erected. And the Bible said they cut the stones out in the quarry because they didn't even want the sound of a hammer at the temple area. Now, this is where it's going to get the rubber's going to meet the road. They cut the stones out in the quarries because they didn't even want the sound of a hammer at the temple area. But some of us wait until we get to the temple before we ever pick our hammer and chisel up to chisel some of that stuff off of us that should have been got off at the quarry. And we wonder why we're not growing or we're not going. Amen? But we've got to get back to the original plan. We can do nothing apart from God. Somebody raise your hand. I want it to be personal this morning. And I want you to just say in your own heart, I can do nothing apart from God. I don't care how smart I think I am. I don't care how spiritual I think I am. I don't care how holy I think I am. I can do nothing. It is rebellion. It's rebellion in the face of God to think that we can do something apart from the Word. Apart from the plan, when we deviate from the plan, we're in rebellion in the face of God. In the face of God. We lift our bloody hands. We've gossiped, we've murmured, we've backbited. We've done all these things all week long and then we come into the house of God with blood of our brothers and sisters and the Gentile world on our hands and we lift them to a holy God and say, Bless us! We come in, how many of us, I don't want no hands raised, but how many of us has talked about a political party this week and called them corrupt? Said, I wouldn't vote for that and over there on the count of, on the count of, on the count of. But have you prayed for any of them? Have we sought God for any of them? Let me tell you something. They didn't get corrupt overnight. They've been corrupting this nation for a long time. How many of us have spent two minutes in prayer? Oh, now we're going to pray. Now we're going to pray when the hordes of hell is at the door. Oh, now we're going to get on our old prayer bones and reach for God. That ain't the way it works. The Bible said in Jeremiah, oh, let's just flip over there because that's a good one to read. Let's read Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah 6, if, you, if you're taking notes, write it down. Jeremiah 6, starting with verse, uh, I don't know, maybe 17. Also, I set watchmen over you. Watchmen, while you're flipping, just kind of listen. While you're flipping, just kind of listen. How long has our pastor begged us to pray for this situation right here, right now? Years. Not just months. Not just since a political race. They've nominated a candidate for each political party. I can remember back in the year 2000, before 9-11, Sister Deborah. I remember a prophecy where the Statue of Liberty trembled and then hit her knees. Can anybody remember that? Can y'all remember that? Alabama, can you remember that? When your pastor saw a vision of of of, of the Statue of Liberty, which represents our freedom, hitting her knees. Before the planes ever flew into the towers, can anybody remember? Because I remember. I remember a watchman that's been crying out for a long time now. I heard the very same watchman begging God this morning, not just for his religious freedom, but for mine. For my children's, for my grandchildren's. Hey Amen. We've got to come into this thing together. We've got to unify. Because we'll go on and we'll read in the scripture where God said, they're of one accord. They've got one language. They can do things. But we're so we're so scattered here and there with no fear that we're not getting anything accomplished. But Jeremiah 6, the Bible says, Also I set watchmen over you, saying, Hearken unto the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. When you don't do what you've been instructed to do, then you've made a decision. You've made a decision. When when you've been begged to pray, when you've been begged to study, when you've been begged to go out and witness, and you do not, then you have made a decision. When you've been begged to take these notes that Sister Lisa prints, this ain't just so they can have something to do. This is for our benefit. When you've been given them notes, but they lay on a shelf and never read, ne- there's not a highlight, there's not an ink pen mark on them, then you are in rebellion. God spoke to me before I spoke to you. So just let me tell you something. This is what God spoke to me. (laughs) Hearken to the sound of the trumpet, but they said, we will not hearken. Therefore, hear ye nations, and know, and know. You understand that? He's saying, you ain't going to just hear it, you're going to know it. (laughs) Mama used to say, you act up at town, I'm going to tan you hide. That was me hearing it. You know what me knowing it was? Thank you. When I got my hide tanned. So God said, you're not going to just hear it. You're fixing to know it. So you've heard it and heard it and heard it, and you've done nothing with it. So now you're fixing to reap what you sowed. Now you're fixing to know it. Therefore, hear ye nations, and know ye congregations, what is among them. Verse 19, hear, O earth. Back in Genesis 11, the Bible said, The whole earth. That was the known world, God's known world, God's known world. Today, the church, God, when God looks down, He judges His people. We know that, that judgment begins first in the house of God. Hear, O earth, behold, I will bring evil upon this people, even the fruit of their thoughts. I just want to know this morning. How many of us has ever prayed the prayer? Oh, God, help me. I just can't seem to get it together. Oh, I've got plans, but they just, it's like every time I go to put my hand to it, they fall apart. Oh, I've got good intentions for this little church right here, ain't Pat? Oh, my God, I've got good intentions. But a month goes by, nothing ever happens. Nothing ever becomes of our, because I think our fruit has been cursed. The very fruit of our thought. We can't get it together up here. Amen. Because we've been given opportunity and opportunity and opportunity, and nothing comes to fruition. Good intentions does not get anything done. There's going to be multitudes and multitudes in hell because of good intentions. In hell, the literal place burning with fire. The Bible says, where the fire is never quenched and the worm dieth not. There's a real place, even though it's not preached on a lot. Not anymore. I mean, we're kingdom-minded, and we need to be kingdom-driven. But they still are hell. Oh, yes. And it's there for judgment. Going back to Genesis 11. And they said one to another, to go, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. Let's burn them. Let's make them hard. Let's, let's make that clay that was pliable, let's make it hard. I going to tell you, that's what happens to Christians when we get into false doctrine. When we, when we sit and we listen to a word. See, this, there's, there's, a, there's a, a sobering and a seriousness about hearing a word from God. Not just a word that makes you feel good. Not just a word that sounds right. But a true word from God. There's a seriousness to it we need to understand that that Word will either make us pliable and it will give us a heart of flesh that He can mold, or that Word will make us hard. Come on. Because we'll run from it and we'll resist it. And just like Pharaoh, every time he heard the Word of God, the Bible said his heart, what? Hardened. Hardened. You don't want a hard heart. The Bible speaks ill of it. But this is what Nimrod, not just Nimrod. Let me tell you something. Go ahead and read chapter 11. It says the people. It never mentions Nimrod again. (laughs) So don't point your finger at your brother when judgment comes to your house because we're in it together. They as a whole. The people. Don't point your finger at pastor or, or sister or brother. We as a whole. We as a whole have brought this. The nation as a whole. Elijah as a whole. They said one to another, let us go and let us make brick and let us burn them thoroughly. You know what they were going to do? They were going to build a temple, Brother Donald. They were going to build a temple. And what were they going to build that temple out of? Tabernacles. A temple of hardened clay. That's what we're raising up to God. Hardness. Just hardened clay. But yet here we are saying that we're going to lay ourselves one upon another. That's what they did. Instead of hewing out the brick like God said do, hewing out the brick in the quarry and bringing it to to the site of God's tabernacle and laying it so that it fit together. They had to use slime, something sticky. But God's house was erected stone upon stone, so perfectly that they fit together. Amen. But here we are coming to the work site, not in, not in the quarry, not at home, not in our private prayer closets, beating the rough edges off. Amen. We come here and we leave debris everywhere for somebody else to have to clean up. Oh, yeah, you bring your bad spirits into the house of God, guess who has to clean that mess up? They don't just go away. (laughs) Oh, my God. Somebody, please, do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Brick burned thoroughly, thoroughly hardened. You know what hardened them? Without a doubt, the Word of God. The Word of God. Oh, yes, he said, I will send evil spirits and confuse the fruit of your thought. This word is for you or it will stand against you on the day of judgment. This word, not my word, and God help us, not Brother Matter's word, but this word will either stand for us or against us. It will either soften us and, and we will take a hold of it, and we will go out and perform the works of God in His kingdom, or it will harden us and we'll sit on a pew and be judged because we had a job to do and we failed to do it. Is this what I've been ministering everywhere I go? This ain't, I ain't just beating y'all up. I hope I ain't beating nobody up. This word came to me this morning. But this is what I've been feeling. This is what I minister everywhere I go. We've got responsibility. We have responsibility. My God. Just a few more scriptures. And and they had brick for stone. I just want to say something right here, and I want y'all to listen real good. The temple had not even been spoken of at this time. Not in Genesis eleven. The temple had not even been spoken of. But Nimrod was close enough to God. I believe he could hear his thoughts. Nimrod was close enough to God. I believe he could see a temple. Nimrod was close enough to God that God allowed him to have all this favor that people banded with him. And way before the temple was ever built in Kings, I mean, Moses created a tabernacle before he did a temple. Come on, somebody, wave at me if you with me. Moses made a tabernacle before he made a temple. But here in Genesis 11, Nimrod's building a temple. <laughs> can you imagine being that close to God that you can hear his thoughts, know his desires for the future, and still rebel? Oh, yeah, it can happen. Satan was the first one. Come on, somebody, wave at me. He was the first one but he rebelled against God. I want to tell you something. we sitting up on our high horses thinking we all that and a bag of chips. Some of us is rebelling in our hearts. Some of us is getting real close to destruction. Amen. Destruction's on its way for this nation. Destruction is on its way. Are we going to be in its wake or are we going to be under the shelter of the Almighty? In order to be under the shelter of the Almighty, you've got to be His children. You've got to be in obedience. Come on. Come on. I heard Brother Meador crying saying, Have I taught them? Have I taught them? That was the very thing I cried whenever I sent my kids off to school. And I knew they were going into a hellish place. I knew they were going into a place where they were going to be mocked and made fun of. I knew they were going into a place that they could be uh, uh, picked on, even beat. I knew they were going into a place, amen, of unsecurity, insecurity. And so I cried out, God, have I done all I could do? And whenever I heard him praying up here this morning, I realized he realizes. Come on, do you realize he realizes? Let me ask you a question. Do you realize that you realize that what we're fixing to go into is a place of unrest, a place of danger, (laughs) a place of seriousness where you may be alive one day and your kids may be dead the next? Have we taught them? Have we reached for them? Have we truly did all we could do for them? Or have we played church? What about our neighbor? What about our neighbor? Where we're standing here one day and they're gone the next. And we walk around their coffin. And we say, did I do all I could do? Or did I play? Did I just have an air about me? Or did I truly have power, amen, to help them? Did I truly have a, a word of counsel? Amen. Where I could sit down and talk them out of a suicide or talk them out of doing something that put them in prison for 20 years or put them in an early grave. Come on. That's the kind of gospel I'm talking about. Real power, not just church. You can have church. Do you know <laughs> this morning? We could stay at home and read and sing a hymn. We could probably preach to our own selves. I've preached to myself a lot of times going down the road. Spirit of God hit me. Brother Justin, you've done it too probably. Go down the road and all of a sudden the Spirit of God hits you. Ain't nobody in there, but you preaching up a storm. You know who you're preaching to? That's right, yourself. Yourself. <laughs> but I mean it for more than just that. It's not got nothing to do with a name. Because I I'll to tell you something, Nimrod ain't even mentioned in 11. Not here in this temple. Bible mentions him way back here in 10 and lets you know that his kingdom was Bible, but the people, the people was what did it. The people was what did it. The people was what did it. it. One more time so everybody could hear me. The people, the congregation was what did it. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto the heavens. That says, unto the heavens. Reach unto the heavens. A better translation is topped by the heavens. You got your God's Word? See what it says. Because I studied and I dig these words out. And reached unto should be topped by the heavens. They wouldn't build in that temple to glorify God. They were building that temple so that they could say, God is on God up here. We did this. God. Uh let's see, what verse is it? Yes, verse four. Then they said, Let's build a city for ourselves and a tower with its top in the sky. There you go. Read it one more time. So then they said, Let's build a city for ourselves and a tower with its top in the sky. With its top in the sky. Had nothing to do with the heavens. With its top so high that everyone could see it. They just wanted a topper like these Christmas trees. Everybody has a topper on top of the Christmas tree. Supposed to be like a pinnacle. Something to do. But it had nothing to do with religion. It had little to do with God. All the only God there was was rebelling against God. And if that's the only God you know, then you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> they had a political unity symbolized by a city. See if, we're, see if this doesn't sound familiar with what we're going through. They had a political unity symbolized by a city. But then they had a religious unity symbolized by a tower. We got on our currency. In God we trust. Our nation uses that currency. In God we trust. Do we? Do we? Jesus said, Render unto Caesar what's Caesar's and unto God's what's God's. But all we got is Caesar in our pocket. All we got is Caesar on our mind. All we got, we live by Caesar's law. We obey Caesar. Few of us even know what God is asking of us this very day. What is God asking of us? Because God is asking something of us. Will you enter into a relationship? Will you lay aside everything and go back to your old path? Amen. Where you knew me. That, that old path where you cried for your neighbor. That old path where you didn't just go to him and say, God, I need a power bill. God, I need a, my truck payment. God, I need. God, I need. I God, I need. But you went to him and said, God. Oh, and you laid for days. Days begging God for somebody's life. Begging God for somebody's soul. I'm in it for souls, not in it for fame, for fortune, for money. I hear Brother Matter talk and say that some people will come and preach just for an offering. I've ministered lots of times where I had to use my own gas to get there and they never give me not even a handshake when I left. Amen. I had folk make fun of me and call and said Susie has a gazebo ministry. Because I used to go to Calhoun and minister at a, in a gazebo at a crack apartment. Amen. There was no offerings. I went there and I stood in that gazebo and the, the uh, uh, apartments were semicircled around it. And the little crack dealers and stuff would come out. A few of them, one or two or three or four or sometimes five, six, would come to the gazebo and sit. amen. But a lot of them just took their old fishing chairs and sat out on their concrete pads and they would listen to the word. It was about souls. If it's not about souls, then you're in the wrong business, Amen. It ain't just about me and my three. It's about gathering. There's a reaping, amen. And trouble is coming. Have we prepared? Have we prepared our kids? Have we prepared our neighbors? Have we prepared our co-workers? Or do we just let them know I'm a Christian because I don't enjoy their filthy communications? I don't participate in their dirty jokes. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Well, congratulations. But have you helped them one iota? Because it's not just about you making it. It's about you doing something in this kingdom to help somebody else make it. My God, we got two hands. I'm not going into the kingdom unless I got five or ten people hanging on to them, Raise your hand this morning. And I need you to say, God has ordained me, amen, as a minister of light, as a minister of righteousness in a dark world to lead people into this kingdom. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To establish a kingdom where He can be a king of a chosen people. Amen. Let me get on down to my scripture. Brother Metter's getting ready. It says, And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto the heaven or, or a better rendition may be topped by the heavens and let us make a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth which was exactly the commandment God gave them to begin with. And the Lord came down to see the city and to see the tower which the children of men builded And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. See, there's a people uniting. There's a people uniting. I just want to ask you, have you seen the corruptness here lately? Have you seen how this one's revealing stuff that we didn't even know happened a year or two ago? And my goodness, this one's attached to that one and that one's affiliated with this one. And there's a wicked web. My God, and you don't even know where the bottom is and where the top is they know I mean, I don't even have any idea how they could even sort it all out. It's so messed up. Come on, y'all know what I'm saying. Can I tell you something? If there was a WikiLeaks for the Pentecostal religion, they would find the same kind of junk in there. If there was a WikiLeaks, Amen, for the Baptist, if there was a WikiLeaks for God's people in every denomination, you'd probably find the same web of deception and filth and junk. Ha. <sighs> Oh, yes. Don't just point your finger at Washington and say, That's the problem. Let me tell you where the problem is. Come on, somebody wave at me and say, I still love you, Susie. And the Lord came down. There's Watchman that's been watching us, Sister Deborah, for a long time now. I remember a prophecy from another little brother, another little place who declared, the watchman has come. I think Brother Metter may even have a, a CD or a, v, a DVD or something about the watchman has come down. I've heard that prophesied or I've heard that ministered several different places. So you know whenever God speaks something, He speaks it. And people that's got an ear to hear, they hear the word and they begin to minister. Amen? Amen? It's confirmation of God's word. He has sent watchmen down. God has come down. He's been spying this out a long time before this political race began. My God, he's been looking at the church for years. He's been begging the church for years. He's been reaching for the church for years. But we've gotten so comfortable in Zion that we fell asleep thinking that we've done everything right. We need to ask God, show me my hidden sins. Show me my hidden rebellion. Show me my hidden faults. Show me the things that ain't pleasing you, God. Not what don't please the church. Not what don't please my neighbor. Not what don't please my children. Show me, God, what don't please you. Because I guarantee you, you will be surprised at what God speaks back. We think we're so clean and so without fault. If we were without fault, this church would be a kingdom church right now. This church would be operating in kingdom. God's waiting on us, Amen. I'm getting there, Brother Matter. One more verse, and the Lord came down to see the city and to see the tower which the children of men did build. There were sons of God back then, because in Genesis chapter six, the sons of God began to mingle with the daughters of men. Oh Lord. Oh, Lord, God, help us to look back. Amen. Everybody's worried about what's happening in the future. If we don't learn from what what God has left us, we're going to be doomed to just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. I'm tired of repeating failure. I'm tired of repeating that grade one, grade one, grade one. Amen. God, lift us up. My God. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. See, we're not the only one with this revelation. The devil has it too. And they have all one language. We're going to, a few more words. One language. What is that one language that we're using this morning? World Wide Web. One language. Everybody anywhere in the world understands the web. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Verse 7, go to. Listen at how God speaks now. Go to, let us. Sound kind of like the people in the beginning when they decided to build a tower, don't it? They were mimicking God, but it was false. It was marred. It was clay, hardened clay, and not stone. God says, go to, let us go down. And they're confound their language. That they may not understand one another's speech. There's a confounding coming. 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 coming. I think about a little hen out in the barnyard. Whenever the hawk approaches, that hen begins to make a noise, and them babies, them bitties, they understand that. I don't understand her language, Brother Donald. (laughs) I don't think a pheasant would understand her language. The ducks... And the dogs, they don't run under her. But them beadies, her children, they understand her language. She begins to make that sound and they run underneath her and she sits down on them. Oh my God, there's a confounding coming. There's a confounding coming that's going to confound the language and if we don't know the voice of God, we're not going to know where to run. We're not going to know where to hide. We're not going to know where to take refuge. There's a confounding coming. There's a spirit, amen, that's going to confound the very voice Amen. That we trust in. That we've learned to lean on. My God. And only his true people. Only his children. Is going to know the voice. Amen. Have we done all we could do to teach people his voice. There's a confounding coming. My God. It's in the air. It's all around us right now. I can't tell hardly who's telling the truth. And who's telling the lie on TV. And all that's going on. But my God. God knows this morning. God knows. And I believe he's sending out a warning. My God, we've got to have relationship. We've got to get close. We've got to get serious. My God, we've got to get sober. We've got to get real. We've got to know this voice. Amen. Because the wicked one is on his way. He is on his way. My God, my God, my God. That's all I'm going to say. Brother matter, you want to take it from me?
1: How many of you appreciate the Lord today? I'm going to tell you something. God's talking to us. Y'all tell. God's talking to us. I'm a little bit too loud. Something ain't right. Thank you, Lord. Appreciate the Lord today. And you the Lord's been stirring my spirit this week. And Sister Susie's right on track. Because we've been slack. You can say what you want to. We've been slack. God has put something in us. I'm too low. God has put something in us. And it's just sad. It's just sad. We owe this generation a move of God. You hear me? We owe it. My mom and daddy gave my generation a move of God. We ain't produced. We ain't produced. You look what all your mama done. She gave your generation a move of God. But our generation ain't produced. We owe this generation a visitation of the Spirit of God. And by God's grace and mercy and help, I'm going to give it to him. The Lord began to speak to me early this morning. I was going somewhere different till I got in prayer. But, man, when I got in prayer, this thing wouldn't turn me loose. It's time to declare war. It's time to declare war. People are going to sit back and let their kids go to hell if you don't declare war. You don't declare war, your kids fix and go to hell, your loved ones fix and go to hell, your family members, your brothers and sisters, fix and go to hell. You don't make up your mind declare war. I don't know what's fixing to happen in this election. God ain't showed me. There's times God speaks to me and I know exactly. Back in nineteen ninety eight, God spoke to me. I was in Texas, and God spoke to me and said George W. Bush will be the next president of the United States. I said, God don't even know who that is but God told me everybody's asked me said brother matter what what's gonna happen I still have no idea but I can tell you this it's gonna depend on God's people because the word of the Lord fell on me in June of 2009 and he said if my people which are called, I ain't ain't quoting a a scripture I'm taking what the word of the Lord said to me said my people which are called by my name will humble themselves you can't get people to humble themselves. Everybody's hollering about praying. Everybody's doing a lot of talk about praying, but there's very little praying going on. Oh, we need to pray. God's got to do, no, God don't have to do nothing. <laughs> Everybody's telling God, God, we got to have some rain. you got to move. No, he don't. <laughs> no, he don't. He shut the heavens up in Elijah's day for three and a half years. Y'all imagine what it's going to look like around here if God shuts the heavens up for three and a half years? He's going to be dry. <laughs> it's already dry. But let me tell you something. When you can't get a garden to grow. And there ain't nothing on the grocery store shelves. When you run out of your canned goods, when your belly starts growling, then people are going to come to the house of God and they're going to get on their knees and pray. The Lord said, my people need to humble themselves. My people. He ain't looking to the world out there, which are called by my name. You call by the name of Jesus, you name the name of Jesus. It's time to humble yourself. And pray. And seek my face. People quote that. They don't want the rest of it. He said, and turn from your wicked ways. He wasn't talking to the sinner out there. He was talking about his people. He said, my people have got wicked ways. They brought, he said, they have brought wickedness into the house of God. They've come in with unclean spirits. They've come in with unclean thoughts. They've come in with a, and he said, my people better turn from their wicked ways. He said, only then will I hear from heaven. Only then well I hear from heaven and he said then I'll heal the land this land needs healing this land needs healing but it's up to God's people it's up to God's people because then he took me into a vision and I've got this written down it's written down in one of our newsletters and I saw the economy like a whirlwind plowing into the ground and y'all remember this it's like a whirlwind is spinning and is born into the ground and I saw people start praying and seeking the face of God. When it did, a big hand come down from heaven went on the side of that whirlwind like a brake, started slowing it down, slowing it down, slowing it down, slowing it down. Then it started spinning the other direction. And God said, if my people uh, take my word and do what I tell them. He said, I will give a reprieve. And he said, I will bless and prosper my people to get them ready for what's fixing to come on the face of the earth. But God don't have to do nothing. And everybody's wanting the word of the Lord. God gave one. Two thousand nine people ain't done it. Why do you get another one? This ain't luck of the draw. <laughs> Just because you don't do what God said don't mean you get another choice. <laughs> this ain't multiple choice. Just hear the word of the Lord. You better hear what God's saying. I've been praying hard for God's people. I ain't praying for this nation. I'm praying for the remnant. I'm praying for the righteous seed because God will keep the righteous seed when everything's going to hell in a handbasket. God's always gonna have a remnant. But are you in a place God's gonna keep you? You in a place where God's gonna keep you. Go ahead and fight this. See where it gets you. Go ahead and fight this kingdom. Ain't gonna get you nowhere, because this is the only thing gonna produce the word of this kingdom is the only thing I'm going to produce I made God a promise on my knees I'm going to teach the people that sit under this word I'm going to teach them to fight if I ain't already taught y'all to fight y'all forgive me but I'm going to teach you to fight because when that word come out in that prophecy what was it two weeks ago about the warfare against this kingdom man God took the scales off my eyes I ain't never seen a word so opposed and a force so strong as it's coming against the very preaching of the kingdom and teaching of the kingdom of God that's the reason those religious leaders got so upset in Jerusalem and they pulled the Apostles aside and they beat them and they told them said we charge you neither to teach nor preach in the name of Jesus anywhere around here don't do it because you trying to bring this man's blood on our hands so we don't want you teaching and we don't want you preaching in the name of Jesus it wasn't very long they pulled them back before them. and they said did we not tell you not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus I'm telling you you better take a stand God's people have backed down worried that's gonna offend somebody Let me tell you something, all this sin and perversion and evil and all this religious doctrine out here don't care if they offend you. Do they? Religious spirits will get in your face and almost defy you to come against them. Well, guess what? They've stirred up a fight. The devil stirred up a fight. The devil has stirred up a fight. And I'm now going to stand and declare the word of God. I don't care anymore. This thing is going serious business. And God's starting to deal with rebellion. He ain't going to, He already has. I don't know if y'all remember or not, but my wife had a dream, or the Lord showed her, I can't remember, several weeks ago. And I believe she brought it out right here. She said, The Lord's fixing to start visiting people in, in, in visitations. Even angels of the Lord fix it. And tell them they're getting their last chance. And y'all remember that? I got a phone call yesterday. A couple days ago, the Lord come to somebody in a dream. Said, you better get yourself in the house of God. You better get things right. Getting your last chance. Getting your last chance. And I see people everywhere. The word of the Lord's come to them. God's reaching for them. God's correcting them, and they're rebelling against correction. Trouble. You mark my word, trouble. Trouble. God's purging, God's cleaning, God's purifying. You don't want to go by God's words, you go ahead and do your own thing. But don't expect God to take trouble off of you. Exactly what God's doing right now. He said, blow a trumpet. He said, sound an alarm. He said, "Show Jacob his transgression, and show Israel their sin." Is that not what he said? He said, "Put the trumpet up there and blow it." There's a trumpet sounding this morning. There's a trumpet sounding this morning. And people better let something get a hold of them, and you better you better let the spirit of God wake you up, and you better start declaring war. You hear me? I am going to. I I refuse to be silent, because I'm going to tell you something. You hold your peace what God tell Esther (laughs) what God tell Esther when Mordecai went to her he said God put you right here said God's brought you to this kingdom for such a time so wow the word of the Lord is to God's people right now God has brought you to this kingdom for so much Yahweh. For such a time as this. Hold your peace. And deliverance shall come. My. You see if I can find that. I know about where it is. Don't you hold. Go ahead and hold your peace. Go ahead and hold your peace. You know what God said. He said I'll cause deliverance. To come from another situation. But you won't partake of it. You'll get destroyed in it. I'm going to lay these here. There's the notes for today. Y'all can get them after service. I just hastily printed out what God spoke to me in prayer. I was thinking it was in Esther 4. Let me see. All right, let me just. uh, I believe this is where. Yeah, here it is. 4 and 12 in Esther. And they told Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews. From another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who's, who and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? God has not allowed this knowledge of the kingdom to come to you for you to hold your peace. I'm not telling you to be judgmental. I'm not telling you to be rash. But I am telling you, you better stand for this kingdom. You better stand for the word of this kingdom because if you don't, you're going to get caught up in the wrath of this generation. There's there's wrath coming on this generation. There's wrath coming on rebellion. There's wrath coming on disobedience. I'm talking about you people that you know and love that you have served God with. Wrath and the uh, the the judgment of God's fixing to the hit them because of their disobedience. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Are you hearing what I'm telling you? A precious brother in the Lord just uh, is fixing to bury his second wife. Fixing to bury his second wife. His first wife died in church, worshiping and, and, and praising and blessing God. This second one just died. I'm not telling you anything except she was in the truth. She decided she wanted to do something else. And she just, she loved God, she served God, but she went a different path. Went a different path and and knew in February she had cancer. I found out when I went and preached that funeral uh, a month or so ago, somebody called me, and then they called me. You was with me, Justin. They called me to pray for her. She passed away Friday morning at about, 10:11 o'clock. I'm not saying it's the judgment of God. You hear me? I'm not so I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying we better be sure where we stand. We better be sure where we're walking. We better be sure what path we're taking and we better be sure we're standing for the kingdom of God. We better be sure, you better know what you're doing, you better know what course your life is taking, you better know what direction you're walking in, because if you don't, all you got to do, y'all remember when I stood right here, and I I told y'all if I wanted to go out that door, I had to walk straight to that door, but just that far, just that far, off track, and I'm not going to hit the mark. I'm not gonna hit the mark. The Lord told us in Revelation, He said, "You better repent from whence thou art fallen." That word "fallen" means off track, off track, off course. You better repent from where you got you horse. You better repent from where you got off course. You better be glad, young man, that God brought you back on course. Are y'all hearing me? Because God is dealing with rebellion. He's dealing with disobedience. He's dealing with people that are refusing to come to the house of God. Uh, There are people that are going uh, to church, but they're not going where God's ordered their steps. Uh, They're not obeying the call. Uh, And God said one thing Uh, He said, Make uh, your calling uh, and your uh, election sure. Uh, You better be sure uh, that if you've called of God, uh, that you're going to be in that place uh, that God can choose you. Because many are called if you are chosen it depends on what you do with your life whether God chooses you or not you might be called the hand of God might be on your life but are you doing what it takes to get chosen are you doing what it takes for God to choose you is anybody with me today are you and I'm telling you you fixing to have loved ones that you went to church with people you worshiped with People you shouted and prayed and praised God with, people you've rode to church with, you're fixing to find them separated and the hand of God's wrath is fixing to set down on them and somebody gonna preach your funeral. Somebody gonna preach your funeral. Are you hearing me? God is making up his jewels. God is bringing his people into one mind for one accord, into one body, I'm, into one heart, in one spirit I'm, And if you've got a spirit that's going to take you a different direction I'm, and God's hands on your life, God's fixing to cut you off. What Jesus say in the gospel? He said, John said, let the acts be done What? Laid to the root of the tree. Is that what it said? Let the axe be laid to the root. God ain't going to let wild fruit grow on his tree. He'll cut it off. He'll cut it off. Did he not say, If a tree bringeth forth fruit, I'll purge it? Then it'll bring forth what? More fruit, much fruit. What do you do when you purge a tree? Whack a limb off. You whack a limb off. Is that not right? Yeah. That tree that ain't producing enough fruit or ain't producing mature fruit. Or if the tree's got too many branches on it. And it can't feed all them branches and mature the fruit. God will start whacking them off. Gotta start whacking them off. Let me tell you something. When God whacks a limb off a tree, that's a wound. Did y'all know that? That's a wound. You know how to prune a tree. You cut it and you'll put something on it to seal that. Limb before you cut it off, that seals it up, or the sap won't come out of it. That's a wound. God said He would wound us. Did He not tell us He would wound us? Or is anybody with me today? This thing is down to business, children of God. This thing is down to business. I don't know where this election's going to go, but all I know is one thing God's in control. God's in control and he going to stay in control. You hear me? He going to stay in control. I don't care how wicked this nation gets. And it is about perverted and wicked and unclean as it can get. I mean, my God, this is it's pathetic that a nation that started out in the fear of God has evolved to what this has evolved to. But it's done it because it's rebelled against God. God raised this nation up to send the gospel to the ends of the earth. God raised this nation up and blessed They Ain't never been a nation on the face of the earth been blessed like America in the 250 years she's existed. God's made her rich. God's made her wealthy. God's given her all kind of riches and wealth. And what has she done it? She's taken it and squandered it on her pleasures. She squandered it on her, and God ain't pleased. I can tell you, God ain't pleased. He is not pleased when God blesses you and you Turn and rob God, God's going to deal with you because He said in that word in Malachi 3, He said, You return to me. And they said, Wherein will we return unto Thee? He said, well, a man rob God? And then they turned around and said, Well, God, we ain't robbed you. He said, Oh, yes, you have. In your tithe and your offering, He just didn't say tithe. He said, In your tithe and your offering, you have robbed me. Are y'all hearing me? There's one thing God gets. For, uh, whenever I get finances, God gets his tithe, and then God gets an offering. I don't care what bills has got to be put off. I don't care what bills got to be paid. God's going to get his first. You know why? God said, if you don't, you're a thief and a robber. But I was with Sister Angela Abraham. She's ministering about seventy, eighty preachers over in India in a ministers' conference. They was all men. You don't hardly find a woman over preaching. She got a hard road to hoe. Woman got a hard road to hoe in this country. She really lays the word down. Oh, you can go in there and shout and sing and prophesy and make them feel good, but you really lay the word down. You're a man and really weigh the word, lay the word down. You're in a small minority, especially if you're a woman. She stood up and told them 7080 preachers, she said, if I work with you, she said, if I support you, I help you get out there, I get you equipment, and you rob God, she said, I'll cut you off. Because you are a liar, you are a thief, and you are a robber. And if you will steal from God, you'll steal from anybody. You stop and think about it. If you're willing to steal from the Almighty, <laughs> I hey, Had a preacher tell me one time, he said I don't care what God gives you. I said, God gives you a bush, he told, they said, God gives you a bushel of apples. <laughs> better get a tithe out of, of it. God gives you a deer. <laughs> you better get a tithe out of, of it. I said, God gives you birthday money. <laughs> See you don't think about stuff like that. He said, First fruit of all your increase. Honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of all of thy increase. You walking down the street and pick up a quarter, you better give God that 2.5 cents. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and give him 3 cents. I've had people come to church and write their tithe. Let's just say $50.97. I said, good God, why didn't you just give him $60? Got to get it right to the penny. Y'all understand what I'm saying? See, we let the enemy get us off course. We let the enemy get us off course, and we let the enemy distract us. And we're too focused on all this other stuff. Let me tell you something. You go preach the gospel, you go to declare the word, you better be declaring this kingdom. You better be declaring the gospel of deliverance because people don't need good preaching. They need healing. They need deliverance. They need something to set their mind free, set their body free, set their spirit free, and there ain't nothing out there. Is that the word? There's nothing out there. Tell me what's out there. Anytime anybody around You say, what you want to about me? Anybody around knows me, needs a healing, needs a miracle, needs a deliverance, they're going to come right here. (laughs) They want prophesied to, they want ministered to, they want a healing, they want a miracle, God gives it to them, they're gone. Back to their junk. Back to their junk. Because they know deliverance abides here. They know miracles abide here. They know the Word of God that's powerful abides here. They know the anointing to destroy the yoke abides here God ain't gonna allow it you hear me God's, God's putting a stop this I told y'all here a while back Lord told me he there, there's there people gonna come in rebellion disobedience you not let me pray for him. why should he why should he God gonna heal you so you can rebel more God gonna heal you so you can be disobedient more I don't think so I'm gonna teach you to fight I'm gonna teach you to fight Y'all hear me? I'm going to teach you to fight. Because God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. It was March 2011 in the church in Alabama. The word of the Lord came to me. The Lord told me, he said, The devil is fixing to try to destroy my people. He said, I have brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. The Lord spoke to me. I called seven days of prayer and fasting in the church in Alabama in 2011. Sent letters out to preachers asking them to join in that week of prayer and fasting. I said, we're going in church every night. We're just going to pray. Going on seven-day fast. You fast today. You fast two. You fast three. You fast whatever you can fast. You fast. But you pray with me. I don't care where you're at. Pray with me. I don't think I got one or two people to do it. But on April twenty seventh, twenty eleven, tornadoes tore Alabama all to pieces. And I think they come on over in Georgia. I mean they tore some things up. Six miles from Fort Payne, thirty three people died. Thirty three people died. We had just gone to prayer when then things hit. Somebody come by the church and told us that a town, six miles from Fort Payne, Rangeville, Alabama, just outside the city limits, it got hit, tore it to all to pieces. Killed thirty three people in a trailer park out there. Went on out and hit a bunch of them little old towns. I think Sylvania, Henniger, all out through there got hit. And when the Lord spoke that to me, he said, I've brought you to the kingdom. For such a time as this I stood in the gap for God's people I called God's people to prayer I called them to fight I called them to war I tried to get other preachers to back me nobody would back me I don't think sister Daniels might have I can't remember back that far but I got made fun of but the Lord told me after they hit he said if you hadn't hearkened to my voice he said, that tornado wouldn't have hit out there. He said, it would have tore Fort Payne, Alabama all to pieces. And said, people would have died. Are you hearing me? But because we stood in the gap and cried out to God, God turned them tornadoes, sent them six miles to the west. You hear me? Sent them six miles to the west. But God stood up for this word, and he stood up for his people. And God's going to stand up for his people now if we'll listen, if we'll hearken. People watching this? They ain't going to be happy with me, but I can't help it. I can't help it, because they ain't happy with me no how. It don't matter what I preach. It don't matter what I say. It don't matter what I prophesy. But see, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a watchman. God told me years ago, He said, I've made you a watchman for the children of Israel. He said, when I speak to you, He said, you better not hold your peace. You better not hold your peace, he said. You better speak my word. I was on my knees at my mother-in-law's house. And I went into a vision about 2.30 in the morning. And I saw, y'all remember the old oval picture frames? The big oval? One of them appeared right above my head. And it was burning like a ring of fire. I looked in that thing and there stood Jesus. Jesus. He had on a helmet, he had on a breastplate, and he had a sword in his hand. It was leaning down like this. It was hanging plumb out of the picture frame. I didn't see no love in his eyes. I didn't see no tenderness. I didn't see no mercy. I seen vengeance. I seen wrath. I seen judgment. And when I looked up at him, he spoke to me. He said, when I speak to you, you better speak my word. And I was scared to death, says Susie. Says said, Pat, I was scared to death. And trembling, I told the Lord. I said, whatever you tell me, I will speak. I don't care who it offends. I don't care who it hurts. I don't care who it upsets. I said, I will speak your word. I made God a promise, and I have to this day spoken God's word. I went down to Jasper, Alabama in 2010, in April of 2010, and told them I had had a dream of tornadoes tearing Jasper all to pieces. They received that word one year to the month almost to the day i was there those tornadoes come right through there and they skipped over jasper and went to a town called cordova and tore it all to pieces tore i mean almost leveled it are you hearing me then it, it hit tuscaloosa y'all remember what it done to tuscaloosa I think over a hundred something people was killed, and then a month later it hit Joplin, Missouri, and just like a bomb went off. God is angry. God is angry, and He's not angry at the sinner. He's angry at the sin that's in the camp and the evil that's got in His people's hearts. And it's time to declare war. Are y'all with me? Are you going to fight with me for this kingdom? Are you going to make up your mind that you're going to declare war? I'm trying to do what God said in Joel. He said prepare war and wake up the mighty men. I'm trying to wake up people that will fight. I'm fixing to go to Alabama for four days and they think I'm coming in there with faith and blessings and healings God might heal. But first the word of the Lord is going to fall and I'm going to wake people up and tell them we owe this generation a move of God. We owe This generation a revival. We owe this generation a visitation of the Holy Ghost. And it's time to stand and preach a gospel that'll produce it. Well, if you don't preach the kingdom, you can get folks saved. You can get them to repent. But if you don't preach the kingdom, ain't nothing going to set them free. Ain't nothing going to set them free. I was preaching the kingdom when I didn't know what the kingdom was. <laughs> when Sister Susie come to my tent back in ninety nine, I was preaching all, uh, that Jesus came set men free and make him whole, soul, mind, and body. And God was demonstrating. And He said, "In His Jesus said, when you see devils cast out, when you see all these miracles, no one thing, the kingdom of heaven has come nigh to you." Is that not what the Word says? He said, you see the finger of God? He said, you see all these miracles and all this deliverance? He said, you better realize one thing, the kingdom of God's come nigh to you. And everywhere I went, I don't care if it wasn't ten people in the service, God has healed, delivered, or set somebody free. Everywhere He's ever sent me. Everywhere He's ever sent me. God produced. You know why? I declared the whole counsel of God. I'm not going to go in there and preach a good message that I heard somebody else preach. God tells me to preach something, I'll preach it. But the majority of my preaching is going to be on this kingdom. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be repentance. But it's going to go beyond repentance and letting you know that God's going to deliver you. God's going to heal you. God's going to set you free. God's going to make you whole. And this ain't being declared. This ain't being declared. I'm going to say something. Y'all may have to study it and y'all may not agree with me. But I had a visitation and I think it was 90 or 91, I'm, I'm, I believe it was 91. And I was in a time of fasting, I think I'd gone nearly 40 days. And I don't know if you've ever fasted, but you get so far into a fast, man, your spirit gets so sensitive and your flesh gets so <laughs> agitated that <laughs> the first little thing sets you off. So I told my wife, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I've got to get away from the kids. I said, I love them and I love you. I said, but I'm not going nearly 40 days and have one of my kids upset me and me lose what I fasted 40 days for. So I called Sister Daniels and asked her if I could pull my travel trailer to church in Savannah. She said, yeah. So I pulled it down there and hooked it up. And I spent about, uh, probably about two weeks there seeking God. And I went and called my wife one night because didn't have cell phones back in. At least I didn't. And I'd go out, maybe drink me a cup of hot tea, and I'd call her from a pay phone there and let her know I was okay. And I called her one night, and I told her, I said, God, don't do something, I'm just going to quit. She said, You're gonna you going to break your fast. I said, oh, I'm going to quit preaching. I said, I'm tired of preaching, seeking God, getting people delivered. In three weeks, they're right back in the same old mess. I said, I'm tired of it. I said, people won't seek God for themselves. You bring deliverance to them. You bring healing to them. I said, you get them stirred up. I said, three weeks' time. They backslid right back in the same mess. I said, there's just something on people. It don't matter what you do. You can't move them. You can't touch them. Man, it's even worse now. I mean, it don't matter what God speaks. People are going to follow the will of their flesh. And she said, well, I ain't never heard you talk like this. I said, I ain't never felt like this. And so I went on back to the trailer. It was, I think, a Friday night. And Sister Daniels come by. They have Saturday morning service in Savannah. She said, you want to preach in the morning? I said, right now, Sister Daniels? I said, I don't. I said, but check with me in the morning. And so back then I had a travel trailer. It had bunk beds, had center aisle, and you had a bed on this side and a bed on that side, probably about two, three-foot wide, (laughs) and a two-foot aisle between them, foam mattress on it like that. Man, the years I spent sleeping on them old foam mattresses and them old narrow beds when I had a king-size bed at home. <laughs> I'm telling you, sacrificing, you really get in there and dig souls out. You might run from church to church and preach, but you really get out there in tents or you get out there in auditoriums and you really get in there and dig souls out, it takes some labor. And it takes some sacrifice. And don't anybody think, I'm, I am I know we got to go from church to church, but too many evangelists have made the church their meal ticket. And I don't like it. As tough as I've had it financially since we've come up here, I will not go somewhere and preach for money. I won't do it. Can't do it. It's against my principle. It's against my integrity. I will not go somewhere and preach for an offering. And I can get on the phone tomorrow, start calling people, and I can have revivals lined up for a month and a half. I, I tell you, I can do it. I got just that kind of word and that kind of spirit in me. But I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. You hear me? not right. Preachers need to quit running for a car payment. They quit needing to run and get their mortgage paid or for a light bill. They need to stop all this stuff. God's setting it in order. But I always put on a cassette tape. Y'all know how far back this goes. (laughs) I had an auto-reverse cassette player that I would either put on preaching or I'd put on scripture When when I'd lay down at night and I'd listen to it all night long. That's how I got this word in me. I listened to the Word for hours. I'd listen to preaching for hours and hours. At night when I was trying to rest, and I'd get stirred, and I'd get up and pray, and if I laid back down, I'd put it on. So I opened my eyes in the trailer. It was probably somewhere close to daylight cause I see the light coming through the vent, real dim, and I heard something saying, Jesus became a curse to redeem you from the curse of the law. Jesus Christ became a curse to redeem you from the curse of the law. And I thought, why's my tape player doing that? And then all of a sudden, I felt the presence of the Lord. And I was facing the wall, and I rolled over when I did. There was a big white figure, like a bright white light, shaped like a man. And it was standing there, and it was speaking. Jesus Christ became a curse for you. To redeem you from the curse of the law. And I preached on the redemption. And I preached on Jesus becoming a curse. And I want to tell you something. You need to quit saying that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. Because if Jesus had died any other way and shed His blood, you'd still be saved. Ooh, that caught you, didn't it? They could have stoned Him, they could have wounded Him with a sword. They could have done anything for, to him. As long as that blood was shed, it would have saved you. It would forgive you sins. The cross was to redeem you from the curse of the law. Bible said, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus became a curse for you to redeem you from the curse of the law. You read Deuteronomy 28 about all the blessings, the people that keep God's word, then it goes into what's going to happen to them if they don't. Everything Deuteronomy 28 says is on people today. It's on people today. So Jesus didn't die on the cross to save you from your sins. He died on that tree to redeem you from the curse of the law, from the sickness, the disease, the plagues, everything that can come on you that... It talks about under the law in Deuteronomy 28, Jesus died on that tree to redeem you from that. Now, that didn't cost you nothing. (laughs) I just thought I'd throw that in there for good measure. But it's time to know what we believe, and it's time to start standing for what we believe. Because I've talked to people, and I'm not not contentious with them. I'm fixing to get contentious with folks. They just going to spout their doctrine. I'm not going to be ugly. I'm not going to be argumentative. But I'm going to let them know what I believe. I'm going to let them know what I believe. You hear me? It's time to declare what you believe. The word preach means to declare. You're going to preach the gospel, you're going to declare what you believe. Amen? Is anybody with me? Man, I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place today. Hallelujah. Man, I get through preaching, y'all just pick me up on the way to Elijah, cause I feel, man, like Spirit of the Lord. I feel like Elijah. Do you know the the Spirit of the Lord come on Elijah when he come off Mount Carmel, and he ran before Ahab's chariot? Do y'all know how far it is from the base of Mount Carmel to the inner and end of the gates of Jezreel? Seventeen miles. The Spirit of the Lord got on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and he run before Ahab's chariot 17 miles. He said, Come on, Ahab, you dragon boy. <laughs> it's only 14. Well, i got three miles to spare then. I, I can probably put it in fifth gear. Hallelujah. But that's what the Spirit of God can do to you spirit of God David said by the Spirit of the Lord I've run through a troop and I've leaped over a wall you look that wall up in, in the in the original Hebrew and Greek it means a small covered building David had something in him David knew his God are you hearing me you just think what God showed him and all the things he wrote in them Psalms hallelujah about Jesus David was a prophet he may not never prophesied but he wrote down prophecies that have come to pass and he's wrote down things that still hadn't come to pass, I, and are fixing to come to pass. I, we are entering into the day of the Lord. I, we are entering into the period of time I, when the Lord is going to judge sin. I, the day of the Lord ain't one day. I, the day of the Lord is a season. It's a period of time I, that God is going to judge sin. Did y'all hear what I said? Y'all ever, y'all ever studied creation? How many days is in creation? Seven. Six days God labored. The seventh day God rested. He called that a Sabbath. He called that the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord is a period of time that God's going to bring His people to rest and He's going to judge sin. You hear me? You hear what I'm saying? Go back and Look at the Word of God, all the miracles that Jesus done on the Sabbath day. Go back and look all the miracles that was done on the seventh day, and you'll find out what God's fixing to do. <laughs> Are you all with me? Because we're fixing to enter into the seventh day. We're fixing to enter into the seventh day. Because it's been right at 6,000 years plus since Adam sinned. Time didn't start till Adam sinned. Y'all hear me? We don't know how long man lived after God created him. We don't know how long man lived after that seventh day. All we know is he lived till he disobeyed God. We don't know how long it was. Oh man, y'all got so quiet on me. Y'all think when the serpent come to Eve and started tempting her, she just turned around and sinned the next day? I don't think so. It could have took him years to persuade her. We don't know how long man lived before Satan ever tempted her. You hear me? We don't know how long. It might have been after God created man, after he'd come down and lived in man a thousand years on that seventh day, and he just kept on living in man. We don't know how long, and it might have been in that time period, that Satan rose up against the Lord and he kicked him out of heaven. We don't know when the fall came in heaven. We don't know when the war. We don't know when Satan rose up and tried to overcome God. We don't know. It don't tell us. I'm making y'all think today anyway, ain't I? (laughs) See, we read that creation and we think it's just like right there. Now, creation wasn't seven of our days. Seven of God's days. Every day in creation was a thousand years. Are y'all hearing me? It was a thousand of our years. And when God finished his work, he wasn't tired. When it said God rested, the fullness of God lived in man that seventh day. And then from there on until man was disobedient. Don't know how many years it was. Don't know how many years it was. And I'll just go ahead and really pop it on you. So Susie, talking about them sons of God in Genesis 6? And I know I brought this out here before. Talking about them sons of God in Genesis 6, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men were fair, and they went in, in, into them. Those sons of God wasn't fallen angels. Fallen angels are not sons of God. Those sons of God was the children of of Adam and Eve that they had before the fall and everything they produced was made in the image and likeness of God, because they was made in the image and likeness of God. Right. It took years for that to begin to fade out of them. And only until Adam I think the fifth chapter of Genesis, it finally said in An Adam, and it said in Adam had a son in his image and in his likeness. For years. Mind-boggling ain't it. For years. Y'all think, all right, And don't ask me why I'm getting off in this. Somewhere in the sixth day, God created man. Is that right? Somewhere in the sixth day, God created woman. He brought together. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Are you telling me Adam and Eve was together for, let's just say he brought her in the middle of the sixth day. that have been 500 years. And then the seventh day was another 1,000 years. You're telling me Adam and Eve was together 1,500 years and they didn't have no kids? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, Brother Benner, I don't know where. All right, then somebody tell me where Cain's wife come from. He said, replenish. Multiply, replenish the earth. That's what they've done. But everything that came forth out of them until they sinned was in the image and likeness of God. Every seed they produced was the Son of God because Adam was the Son of God. Didn't have no choice. You read Genesis and everything God created, it said that brought forth, every seed brought forth in its image and likeness. Everything that brought forth, apple tree produced apples, pear tree produced pears, lions produced lions, cows produced cows, birds hatched out birds. Anybody believes this evolution junk ain't got since God gave a billy goat? You tell me that two perfect species, male and female, evolved at the same time and kept seed alive of, after its own kind. you got to be dumb to believe that. you got to be, that, I mean, all these species out here, they produced a male and a female and they evolved to keep their seed alive. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, man, if you believe that, you can't fix stupid. Not even with duct tape. <laughs> and I don't know how I got off on that, but I want to get back on. Y'all go with me to Judges the third chapter. Maybe I can get back on track. <laughs> I better be careful, Sister Pat might lift my appointment to be here next week. <laughs> People have got to know what they believe. Amen? You've got to know what this kingdom stands for, and you've got to start declaring it. What other gospel has produced anything other than the gospel of the kingdom? Did y'all you know Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom? He preached the gospel of the kingdom. Everywhere he went, he preached the kingdom. And when he preached the kingdom, he healed, delivered, set free, made whole. Delivered the lunatic, healed the maimed, the halt, the withered, the lame, the blind, the deaf. We ain't seen this kind of move of God. Because we ain't declaring nothing. When the apostles got baptized in the Holy Ghost, they got baptized in a measure of the Spirit of Christ, they went out and started declaring the kingdom. Jesus spent that 40 days... After his resurrection, I don't think he was with them all 40 days, but he showed himself alive. The Bible said after his own passion. Whenever he desired, he showed himself alive to his disciples and instructed them in things pertaining to the kingdom. That's all he taught them was the kingdom. He didn't teach them nothing else. So when the spirit of Christ, whatever measure they got, fell in them, they went out and began to declare the kingdom. And when they did, God began to produce miracles. Are you all with me? God began to produce miracles because they declared the kingdom. They didn't know nothing else. All they heard him preach was the kingdom of heaven. All they seen when he preached it was miracles. When he ascended up to heaven, Mark 16 plainly tells you when he ascended up to heaven, they whenever were preaching the word and God confirmed the word with what? Signs following. Because they preached the kingdom. They preached the kingdom. They preach the kingdom. You say, brother, man, if the kingdom ain't been preached all these years, nobody's being revealed now. And it's time to preach it. It's time to preach it. You know, God will always work with us where we're at. But when He brings the knowledge of the kingdom to you, and you don't take advantage of it, don't expect God to keep doing what He's doing. You hear me? You may have a few healings here and there. You know, when the Lord spoke that prophecy, He said, "There's people out there. They're gonna preach. They're gonna be anointed. They're gonna have a healing. They may be used in the gifts." But, they ain't going to possess this kingdom. They ain't going to possess this kingdom. are people just going to keep going on where they're at. And they ain't going to know that they've missed the kingdom. I'm going to tell you something. If I miss this kingdom, there ain't no purpose for me to live. This is the very purpose I was born for. This is the very purpose for me to declare this kingdom. And I'm going to declare it with a Vengeance. I'm going to preach this word, I'm going to fight, I'm going to pray, I'm going to prophesy, I'm going to teach, and I'm going to teach y'all how to fight. I'm going to teach y'all how to fight. I preached along these lines in Fort Payne five or six years ago, and I looked at my son, and I said, Boy, I said, you may not have come up in a generation that taught you how to fight. I said, from this day forward, I'm going to teach you how to fight. I'm going to teach you how to fight. And I preached the word on declare war. And that's what I'm preaching on today. It's time to declare war. It's time to declare war. Y'all, if last, if when that prophecy came and I expo- expounded on that kingdom and y'all can't see the warfare we're in, you can't see how principalities and powers, that that's these natural authorities. That's these natural authorities out here. Principalities and powers are natural authorities. Paul didn't fight just spiritual. He fought natural authorities. When Daniel, when they passed that law against Daniel... He said presidents, governors, counselors. I mean, there was a whole slew of people come together to pass that law to get Daniel moved. out for. Was it Darius? Was Darius king? I think he was, but I mean, it wasn't just one person or two people that was jealous of Daniel. You, you go back and read it, it was presidents, governors, counselors. I mean a whole slew of people come together and tried to find fault, and Daniel couldn't find no fault in him. Said, Well, if he's gonna find any fault in him, it's gonna be with his God. And they appealed to the king's ego. Said, King, we want you to know we think a lot of you. We think you're a mighty man. And we want you to know that we want you to pass a law that if anybody ask anything of any other God or any other man for thirty days. We won't put death in the lions then. Boy, they had him flying high. That ego would well, he said, yeah, I'll do that. Stamp that law. And it wasn't no time they hauled Daniel in before him. He couldn't change it. He couldn't change it. We fix to go through persecution. We fix and go through persecution. I don't care who gets elected, we fix and go through persecution. You hear me? Y'all 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 think if she goes in, everything's gonna be good? A woman ain't got no use for God. She ain't got no respect for life. She's been wicked her whole life. You think if he goes in, everything's going to settle down? No, there's going to be trouble in this country if that man goes in. So whichever one of them goes in, there's going to be upheaval. We may have a little more time if he goes in other than persecution because it's coming either way. God may just give us more time, one with the other. But I don't care. God's still God. Y'all hear me? God's still God. I ain't worried about who gets elected. I'd like to see God's people have more time. But what do you pray? God give us more time, give us mercy, give us grace. What people going to do? Just keep on sinning? I mean, how many times does God have mercy on us? How many times does God shed his mercy on this nation? And y'all just go out and bear with me the way the Spirit of God's taken me, but... I mean, I the Lord showed me years ago. He showed me all the way from the turn of the century. In the 1800s, late 1800s, we had the Spanish-American War. He said, that didn't get people's attention. He said, then we had World War I. That didn't get their attention. He said, we had World War II. You stir people up for a little while. He said, right after World War II, he said, World War II, wouldn't even hardly over. We had the Korean War. Then we had the Vietnam War. Then we had the war in Iraq in the early 90s. He said, We're fixing the head to the war. It's going to bring nuclear desolation. He said, Because no matter what I do to get my people's attention, he said, I can't get it. You think we've gotten so headstrong, so high minded, so lifted up in ourselves. But what did God tell him to do to Romney? He said, I'll give you the lands of the heathen. I'll give you their homes. I'll give you their vineyards. I'll give you their cattle. I'll give you everything they got. I'm going to strip them down, and I'm going to put it in your hands. And and he said, when you get it, your hearts are going to get hardened. You're going to turn from serving me. You're going to get lifted up in your own pride, all you possess, and you're going to tell yourself, I've done this. And you're going to turn from serving God. People today don't think America can keep falling. God's always been merciful to her. They don't think she can fall. Do I want to see her fall? No, sir. But she can fall. I saw it. I saw it. I preached for Brother Patterson. And, and I'm thinking it might have been right after 9-11, Sister Susie. I can't remember right offhand. But it was it was September. So it might have been right after 9-11. But I was coming back from Brother Patterson's. I driving through them back roads. I went into a vision. I seen the Statue of Liberty fall to her knees it wasn't just a little while she got herself back up it went on just a little while I seen her fall to her knees again and I seen her fall on her face and the Lord said she won't never rise again and then I seen troops tanks, armored carriers in our streets every couple of blocks I seen troops all in our streets in our major cities are you hearing me you think what you want to Lord told me several years ago in Alabama he said these politicians have sold this country out and if you want to make it you better get a relationship with God and you better start declaring this kingdom and living for the God and letting people know where you stand because there's fixing to be an act of God they're fixing to be an act I'm telling you there's fixing to be an act of God And I've been trying to get y'all prepared for it. I've been trying to get you ready for it because God is fixing to use somebody. But I said this many times when I was preaching at church in Alabama. I said, if God poured out the Holy Ghost tomorrow like he did in the book of Acts, who would know how to use it? Who would be ready for it? Who would yield to it? Am I getting y'all's attention today? But Donald, if he poured the Holy Ghost out like he did in the book of Acts, who would say, Lord, here am I? Here I am, Lord. Somebody had to be a yielded vessel. Somebody had to give theirself over to the working of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is going to fall on you and make you do things. He ain't going to do it. He ain't going to do it. you got to be a vessel that wants to serve God, wants to be used of God, and you've presented your body to him a living sacrifice. But if God poured it out today, Church ain't been taught nothing. They ain't been taught the gifts and the anointing and the workings of the Spirit of God. About everything going on now is just good old tradition, good old doctrines of men. Y'all see why people like me so much? <laughs> I cannot stand tradition. It's got folks bound. It's got folks bound. It's got folks bound. It's got folks bound. And when the real move of God comes, they ain't careful. They're going to go right on in what they're in, and they're going to miss the very move of God that God predestined and for. There's people that are predestined for God and for of God to do a work for God. They think they can't die lost. I've seen people die lost that was called and chosen of God. I've seen them die lost. I got a lady here about a year ago. Somebody was kind of chiding with me over some scripture I'd posted. And that lady posted... She said, let me tell y'all something. She said, that man's a man of God. She said, I was in a tent meeting in 1990 in Mississippi. Said, that man looked at my 16-year-old son. Told him if he didn't let God touch his life and get a hold of him and get things out of his heart, he fixed to meet God head on. About a month after I come out of that tent revival, he got drunk, got in a fight with his mama, went out, crawled on a motorcycle, fired it up, Headed down the road, got two blocks, hit a car head-on, died instantly. When he was little, he used to take a stick and tie a cord on it, stand up on a little soapbox and preach. Raised in church, loved God. Said when he got older, he was going to be a preacher. You know what happened? Somebody hurt him. Somebody wounded him. A called-of-God-ordained vessel got wounded, and when he got wounded, he walled himself off. The Bible says a man that's been hurt is harder to win you listen to me because he puts up bars like the bars of a castle it can happen it can happen that's why we need to know where we stand that's why we need to take a stand for this gospel of the kingdom and declare it and not let sin go on around us, not let perversion and evil go on around us. Are you hearing me? God said in that prophecy he said, I am purging homes I, I am getting sin out of homes. I am getting division out of homes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If we will get on our knees and cry out to god that god's fixing to save our loved ones He's fixing to save our sons. And daughters he's fixing to save I, our brothers and sisters he's fixing to save our husbands and wives He fixing to save I, are you hearing me I, God's fixing to save everybody that gets around us I, that you will stand and declare I, this gospel of the kingdom I, and you won't go along with religious junk I, and religious tradition I, and you don't have to be argumentative to do it you just have to declare I, Jesus did not argue with people I, Paul did not argue with people I, he declared the gospel. I, Jesus declared the gospel of the kingdom. I, and people either accept it or reject it. Well, I don't want to do nothing to make them reject God. It ain't your choice. It's theirs. It's theirs. But you've got to put it out there. you got to put it out there. We owe this generation a move of God. And they ain't going to get it off religious tradition. You hear me? I had a mama that was a prayer warrior. I had a daddy that was a man of fasting in prayer. They took me to church. They made sure I was in church. They didn't let me out. I've told people, you got young kids, don't you let them lay out of church. My daddy told me when I was 16 years old and I started wanting to lay out of church. He said, Boy, he said, I don't care if you're thirty years old. He said, You live under my roof, you're gonna live by my rules, and you're gonna go to church. Day you get big enough, you don't think you've got to go to church. Day you can get out and pay your own bills. And he meant it. You hear me? He meant it. We need to take a stand for the gospel. We need to tell the Lord, As for me and my house, we will. <laughs> we will serve the Lord. Amen. As for me and my house, I know people that love God go to church they confess the holy ghost and yet in their homes they've got all kind of music that ain't godly you go into their kids bedrooms their daughters have got half naked men on the walls their sons have Women's posters all over the walls They got Playboy and Hustler hid under their beds Uh, They're out drinking, they're out partying They listen to ungodly music They have ungodly conversation And you bring them spirits in your home And people are afraid to stand up And set a standard, they're afraid to stand up Don't ever be afraid to set a standard They may leave, they may get mad They may do their own thing But somewhere they're going to come to the knowledge Somewhere they're going to come to the knowledge That you stood for righteousness You stood for holiness you stood for cleanliness. You had a godly standard. Are you listening to me? They may find themselves out there walling in the hog pen. And they're going to come to themselves and say, My God, I had it better than this at Mama's and Daddy's. They had a standard. They lifted up a standard. But here I am out here walling in filth, walling in ungodliness, starving to death, can't make ends meet. I think I'll just go back. Are you listening to me? The Bible said you raise up a child. In the way it should go when it's old, it won't depart from it. And I've told people for years, Sister Kathy, I've told you in serving God, you might get off track somewhere, but stay hungry for God. Walk with God. Pray somewhere God will bring you back on track. He'll keep you in the truth if you've got a heart to seek God. And he said, I'll give you your seed. Did he not? He said, I'll give it to you. I'll give you seed. We got to teach them war. You better start taking a stand for what you believe. Better start taking a stand for what you believe. In Luke 4 and 18, Jesus come in out of the wilderness, power of the Spirit. He started going in all the synagogues. Preaching, having great miracles, great deliverance. Then he come to Jerusalem. Went in the temple where his custom was. They delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. The gospel he preached was the kingdom. It wasn't just repentance. It wasn't just good news. It was the kingdom. He's anointed me. To mend the brokenhearted. He's anointed me to preach deliverance to the captive. He's anointed me to preach recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. All these things He's anointed me to do, that's your kingdom. That's your kingdom. That's what you need to be preaching. That's what you need to be doing. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord's on you, not just to preach. The Spirit of the Lord ain't on you just to preach. The Spirit of the Lord is on you to. Men the brokenhearted. The Spirit of the Lord is anointed you to preach deliverance to the captive. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to set at liberty them that are bruised. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach recovering of sight to the blind. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Why? That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. It ain't just preaching salvation. Jesus never just preached salvation. Show me somebody that Jesus preached to that they give their life to God and they stayed sick. Show me me somebody that was sick and got healed that they stayed a sinner. Because in Mark, the second chapter, first few verses, said he went into Capernaum entered into a house, and I think the Bible said there was not even so much room about the door to eat bread. Somebody seen the crowd Wanted to know what was going on. They said, "Well, that man in there said they're going in lane, they're coming out walking, they're going in blind, they're coming out seeing, they're going in deaf, they're coming out here. they're going in there bound with devils, they're coming out in their right mind. So they run got their buddy on that stretcher with Paul, and they come toting him back. And there were so many people there they couldn't get in the house. They seen a the ladder there, one of them crawl up that ladder. Tore the roof off while the others tying four ropes on that stretcher. And they let him down in front of Jesus. Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. He didn't tell him to be healed. He said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Everybody around criticized him. You hear me? All the religious. All the religious. They didn't have what it took. I don't know why people don't have nothing. Want to fight somebody that's got something. They'll do it every time. But they'll be in the first prayer line when they need a healing in their body or need a deliverance in their mind. And so they say, well, who's this man forgiving sin? Don't he know that only God alone can forgive sin? Jesus perceived their thoughts. He said to show you. Just to show y'all that the Son of Man hath power on this earth to forgive sin he said, man, get up and walk. He said, for which is easier to say, rise, take up thy bed, and walk, or thy sins be forgiven thee? you going to pray for somebody to get saved? Go ahead and lay hands on them for God to heal them and deliver them. Which is easier to say? It's like there's a fear in us. There's a drawback when it comes to really getting down in the gospel. Well, Brother Metter, I wanted them to come to church. I didn't want to get too bold. They didn't come to church no how. Nine, nine times out of a hundred, you witness somebody. They start weeping, crying. God breaks their spirit, breaks their heart. Next thing you tell them, all, come to church. <laughs> Slap hands on them. Right there. Pray the prayer of faith for them. Right there. Take them by the hand. Pray the prayer of faith for them. Tell them, I'm going to pray for God to deliver you. I'm going to pray for God to heal you. I'm going to pray for God to set you free. I'm going to pray for God to save your soul right here. God's going to do something. Because the gospel, I believe, is the gospel of the kingdom. This gospel sets you free. It won't just forgive you sins. It'll make you whole. Amen? Is anybody with me? Anybody with me? But we back away. We back away. We back away. Lord spoke to me to take my tent to Texas in '91. I had a man out there. He, he asked me. He said, "Will you bring your tent to Bryan College Station? A big college town out there." And you I tell my son about this yesterday. He lives in Carrollton. I preached under a pastor's tent down there in either '79 or '80. And a lady come out there. She was young. She was in her probably early twenties. And something messed up in her back, and she was praying. And the Lord told her, said, i got a servant in, my, in this town. You go out to this tent tomorrow night, he's going to be there. I'm going to give you a miracle. The woman come out that tent, God healed her. I went and put the tent up in Bryan, Texas, College Station. There just two towns right together. A man out there invited me to come. I said, only if you'll raise the money, get my equipment out there. I said, I ain't got no four thousand dollars to move no equipment, no 1,500 miles. That man started selling barbecue and working on the side. He raised the money to get that tent there, the advertising, all the expenses, and the money to get us back out of town. I'm serious. And in that meeting, that lady had got healed in Carrollton. eleven, twelve 12 years ago, her husband had got transferred out there. Something had happened to her. She came and got healed her again. Got healed her again. But I was in that town, and somebody come asked me, said, do you know where Crockett, Texas? is? never heard of it. I said, will you come to Crockett, Texas and preach? I prayed about it. I told him, yeah, we went to Crockett, Texas. Walked out there. The tent was packed out. I mean, just absolutely packed out. And somebody come around to the back of the tent that night and said, Brother matter?" I said, What? Said, see if you can kind of lay off that sin stuff tonight. I said, do what? You know, just don't preach it so hard. I said, and for what reason? Well, we understand that Kenny's Rogers' mama goes to these holiness meetings. And she, I got word she might be here tonight. I said, really? I started telling him. I said, "Man, do you know what you're doing? You priming the, you priming the gun to fire. <laughs> it's like a black powder rifle. You don't put the powder and, <laughs> oh yeah, and you don't put the flint in there and you don't back the hammer. <laughs> All I got to do is pull the trigger." <laughs> I walked out there and took the service and, and, exhorted a little bit. And I said, "Now, I said, I want nobody to raise your hands." But somebody told me Kenny's Rogers' mama might be here tonight. I said, "Man, if you're here, I don't want to know who you are. Don't want you raise your hand." I said, "You're welcome, just like everybody else." I said, "But I just wanted you to know somebody tried to get me to back off preaching sin tonight." I said, "It doesn't matter who you are." I said, "If you don't get your heart right with God, you're going to hell just like the trash collector." He said, "Brother, matter you didn't? Oh, yes, I did." Because who you are Don't make no difference With God There's, Preachers won't preach If they know somebody Famous is in Let me tell you something I stepped in Bill Monroe's living room Some of y'all may not know Who Bill Monroe is but, uh, He's father Of Blue, bluegrass music I was preaching In church In Hendersonville, Tennessee A lady come up To me to pray for her And she said Well, you give me A prayer cloth Take to a lady dismissed messed her back up She's slipped a disc or something and something just come on me. I said, Well, how far away is she from here? She said, about ten minutes. I said, Well if you want me to, I get through preaching, change clothes, and I'll ride over there. And pray for her personally. She said, I'll call her. She called her, she said, Yeah, come on. So we followed people out of Hendersonville, Tennessee, followed them down a road, probably a mile long, just a gravel road, and and went in the house and she said, I'll go get her. And my daddy was dinner talking to this man that we'd followed him and his wife over and he kept talking about Bill Monroe and daddy said well when I was a boy he said I used to deliver Bill Monroe's newspapers in the East Nashville and they kept talking this and talking that and 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 finally I said well y'all keep talking about Bill Monroe why he said man you're standing in his living room I said really the lady was part of his dance team the cloggers and she had slipped the disc, and her and her husband, he was a musician or something, they lived out back. And I prayed for that woman right there, and God healed her. Right in Bill Monroe's living room, because she believed God. But it didn't matter where I prayed for her at. But I'm just telling you, God ain't no respecter of persons. God ain't no respecter of persons, and we need to learn war. Y'all hear me? We need to learn war. At, I might get this scripture in Judges and I might not. <laughs> How many of y'all know God's talking to us? And I went to church with Marty Robbins' wife, son and daughter. She was a holiness believing woman. My mom and daddy's been out at their house and eat supper with them. Are y'all hearing me? But unless God had mercy on that man... He lost out with God because he kept promising God he's gonna come to church, he's gonna come to church, he's gonna come to church. But you don't keep making God promises and not fulfill them. You hear me? Just like Sister Susie said, "Road to Hell's paved with good intentions." There are a lot of people that intend to do a lot of things. You can't just do. I mean, you can't just intend. You got to do amen judges third chapter let's try it again (laughs) first verse now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan only that generation Only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least such as before knew nothing thereof. So the coming generation didn't know nothing about war. Didn't know nothing about all the wars that Joshua fought and the children of Israel fought when they crossed over Jordan. Right there it says they didn't know nothing about war. Nobody taught them war because time they come along things got peaceful. Things have settled down. They didn't learn war. We got a church generation that don't know war. Can anybody give me an amen? That's the reason. That's the reason people can't stand. They don't have no substance. Sister Pat, your mama was a prayer warrior. She was an intercessor. She knew how to pray. People today don't know how to pray. I, I, I have people all the time say, all right, now all you prayer warriors, get together. I need prayer. I say, God, where's any prayer warriors? People do a lot of talking. They got a lot of rhetoric. I'm going to tell you, you want to hear a message that will tear you up? Get David's Wilkerson on, Was it, the cry of anguish? He said he had a woman come to him one time and said, I, I, I need you to pray for my kids. He just looked at her. I need you to pray for God to save them. He said, what have you done? What have you done to pray for God to save them? You reading newspaper? You watching TV? You doing things that you're interested in? Or you've been on your face crying out for God to save your kids? Don't come ask me for God to save your kids when you ain't putting no effort in God saving your kids. It's called the cry of anguish. I, got, I believe I made copies of them and give it to everybody in Fort Payne at one time several years back. Cause that word, do you ever heard it, says Susie? The, the cry of anguish. And he, I mean, he stood up and began to tell people. He said, you want your kids saved? He said, I'm tired of this rhetoric. I'm tired of all this idle talk. I'm tired of people just talking about praying. He said, people will talk about praying. They'll quote scriptures about praying. He said, but nobody will pray. Nobody will pray. Don't come ask me to pray for your kids if you ain't praying for them yourself. I said, "Boy, is that ever right?" Don't come talk to me about revival. Don't come talk to me about a move of God. Don't come ask me to pray for God to give your church revival if you ain't praying yourself. See, we want the pastors and the preachers to do all the work. I remember Sister Angela come to my church. Gosh, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. And she preached a message. Church packed. She preached a message on a Sunday. And said, that pastor ain't your pack mule. Y'all remember that? She walked right up there where I was sitting. And she took a towel. And she preached on the scriptures out of Balaam. And that mule, how that mule rebelled, what Balaam wanted it to do. And where Balaam wanted it to go. Because he knew it wasn't the mind of God. And she took that towel and she, she smoked me. And she said, This is what y'all doing, you preachers. And she said, You think you preachers are supposed to bear your burdens and bear all your labors and she said y'all ain't doing nothing. Buddy, I had some people leave the church that day and never came back. I'm serious. They got offended at that word. You don't need to get offended when God speaks. You get yourself in the altar. <laughs> get your heart right. Man, ain't this a strange service? But ain't it good? Ain't it good? God's trying to get our attention. You got a people that don't know war. You hear me? There are very few people in my generation that understands war. And if I hadn't taught my kids war, I got a son that's a prayer warrior, and there's a working of the Spirit of God, but. He listened to his daddy pray. He learned to pray, Sister Pat, by listening to me pray. I did not try to mold my son in his walk with God. I did not try to channel him in any type of ministry. I did not sit him down and try to counsel him to do this and do that. Only when he would come talk to me would I give him direction. He learned everything else by the preaching of the Word and by listening to his daddy pray. He learned. He was hungry. He wanted to go somewhere. He wanted to do something for God. And he come... When he was in college and he got saved. Friday night, (coughs) he would leave Macon, Georgia. Drive to our house in Conyers. Saturday, he would get in the car with his mama, come to church. Be there Saturday, be there Sunday. Get in about 7, 8 o'clock Sunday night. Maybe nine o'clock Sunday night, and most time he'd stay at the house 10 ten thirty or eleven, talking to his mom about the Lord, and then he'd drive back to Macon, get there at one thirty two o'clock morning. You no, know, he had to get up, and go to class. He had a hunger for God. He had a hunger for God. He wants to do something for God. He wants God to use him. He's presenting himself to the Lord. God's teaching him war. I remember Sister Susie coming to church, and I wasn't there, and I don't know if she knew that I wasn't there you remember telling me that, says Susie? Y'all came to the church, and you heard somebody up there praying. And you thought at first, well, that's Brother Metter. But when he got up, it wasn't Brother Metter. She says, oh, my God, that's Brother Metter's son. You know how he learned? Listening and watching. I can teach you war if you're willing to learn. I've tried to teach y'all a body ministry and a corporate prayer builds a strong church. When I first started praying in Fort Payne, says Susie can tell you, there wasn't two or three of us praying. She used to drive down on Friday and Saturday night. But in the latter years, I had as many as 10, 15, sometimes 20 praying in the church just before I left it. Because that corporate prayer took hold and God was beginning to move and do great things. We've got to listen to what God's telling us. We've got to learn to follow instructions. Does anybody know what a DI is in the military? a drill instructor. When raw recruits come in, they put them under a drill instructor. And you know what that drill instructor's there for? To train them, to obey orders, to keep them alive, especially in a time of war. You don't follow instruction, the devil will kill you. Amen? Y'all just look at me as your drill instructor. I don't care how you look at me. Just pay attention to what I tell you. And let's learn to labor together. Because if we don't start fighting, the devil's fixing to take some folks out. we got to learn war. we got to start fighting. You can pray individually at home. You're supposed to. But you still need corporate prayer. Amen? We still need corporate prayer. We still need to pray together. Uh, show me somewhere. in the, the only place I found in the book of Acts where the Holy Ghost was poured out, that it wasn't poured out corporately, was on Paul. Everybody else, it was a group. It was the day of Pentecost, chapter 2. It was the apostles in chapter 4. They were all gathered together in a house. It was the book of Cornelius, chapter 10. It was the, however many it was in Acts 19 and up there in Ephesus. 10 or 12, but everywhere the Holy Ghost was poured out. Samaria. It fell on them corporately. Y'all hear me? We need corporate prayer. We need the body coming together. We need people praying together. Who's getting quiet in here? Getting <laughs> quiet in here. Psalms 144. I'll just give you my scriptures. Maybe they'll y'all take them and study them. I didn't write down any commentary on these notes. I just put scriptures down. Didn't have time writing down. The Lord, give them to me too quick. <laughs> y'all with me? Psalms 144, verse 1. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. And he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. I'll see that? David prayed and he said, Lord, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. I woke up one night back in the 70s out of a dead sleep. And when I come to myself, I had my hands raised sitting in the bed and I was working my hands like this. And when I realized what I was saying, I said, Lord, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Have you ever asked God to teach you how to fight? Have you ever asked God to teach you war? It's time to start. It's time to start. Because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus said your enemies are going to be there in your own household when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom. Ooh. Is that not what the word says? Is that not what the word says? You're going to have to know how to deal with people. You can't be ugly to people just because they don't understand the gospel. And I know there's people going to get upset with me, but all this teaching come out back in the 70s and the early 80s, how that you're supposed to leave your families and go preach to God. That wasn't ever taught right. wasn't ever taught right. The reason it wasn't taught right, it's prophets' ministry didn't need to be leading God's people no-how. It's supposed to be being led by the five-fold ministry. But when it talks about you hating You hate those that oppose the gospel. If your family opposes the gospel, there's something that'll stand up in you and you'll choose the gospel first. That don't mean you abandon them. That don't mean you go off and leave them. That don't mean you mistreat them. Oh, boy, it's getting quiet in here. There's too much been taught wrong. It's time to get some things taught right. Time to get some things taught right. God had mercy on me because I was on the field so much. God hadn't had mercy on me. I'd have some lost kids right now. I'd have some lost kids. My kids love God. My kids go to know God's real. Are they all serving God like I want them to? No. But they ain't out in sin and perversion and evil neither. God's had mercy on me. God's been good to me and my wife. But you know why he did? Because he knew our hearts. He saw our dedication. He saw our time of seeking the Lord. And I'm telling you y'all will fight with me and you hold on with me God's getting ready to bring you bring young youngin's in he get ready to bring your seed in hold on says Susie don't worry about them. don't worry about them don't let the devil put fear in your heart you just hold on they coming in Josh coming in says Deborah. you hear me he coming in he running just hard and them legs will carry him right now but he's coming in I'm telling you Kevin's coming back your daughter's coming in they're coming into the truth I know your daughter goes to church but she ain't under this kingdom message. She fixed to come into the truth. People fix to come into the truth. Philip's just going to chase himself in the circle, says Kathy. She's going to chase herself right around in a circle. God's going to bring him in. God's going to bring him in. Carrie's coming in. You hear me? We're going to serve God. We're going to serve him in the beauty of holiness. Y'all with me? Joel, the third chapter. I'm probably going to read this and then I'm going to... Start closing it down. Joel 3 and verse 9. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men. Man, where's our mighty men? (laughs) Where are the men and women of God that used to preach with a passion and had a prayer life? I know a few preachers just talked about praying all night. And 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 there's preachers I used to have confidence in. I can't say that confidence is still there. I really can't. Because I see too much junk taking over people, too much tradition, doctrines of men. I see too much getting in people's lives. This is a pure gospel. It's a clean gospel. It's a holy gospel. And I'm going to declare it. Y'all don't want to get embarrassed. You might as well cut me a wide circle. Because I'm probably fixing to stir some things up. I've been telling you all this for a while. I'm just waiting. I ain't, ain't going to be stupid, but I'm waiting on the leadership of the Spirit of God. Because it's fixing to get messy around here. i going to stand and declare this gospel. Amen. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Ain't y'all been doing any plowing here lately? Y'all been pruning anything? If you hadn't, then it's time to beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let's go back to fighting. Because souls ain't being brought in. Souls ain't being brought in. We ain't seeing no move of God like the book of Acts. We ain't seeing a soul-saving revival. My God, you can labor in church for a year and probably not see two or three souls come in. And that's pathetic. I'm talking to myself. I know God's got a time. It's God's time. We we'll them bringing souls. So he said, beat them shears. Quit plowing ground when ain't nothing happening. <laughs> Quit pruning when ain't nothing bringing forth fruit. And turn around and beat them <laughs> into swords and beat your pruning hooks into spears and let the wheat stand up and say, I'm strong. I'm strong. How many people do you know that's strong in the Lord? How many people do you know that's strong and confess they're strong in the Lord? Not many. Let a demon step on the scene. Manifest itself. You'll see how many people are strong in the Lord. Because they'll be right here. Now that demon casting out doesn't brother matter fight. We go. We behind you, Brother matter. Got you back. Got you back. Somebody tells me they got my back sometimes. i Brother matter, we with you. Is that you way back there? That's <laughs> me, Brother matter. Well you need to get a closer. I can't even hardly tell who you are. If you're going to stand, let's stand and fight. Let's stand and fight for this kingdom. He said, wake up the mighty men. Wake them up. Wake them up. Why? Right now there's multitudes in the valley of decision. People don't get some direction. They don't get some leadership. They don't get some help. A lot of people fix it and go the wrong way. Have you ever seen people so confused? Naturally, politically, spiritually, or just confusion." I mean, you don't know what the people that, me and my wife, y'all know, we started going out and walking and hiking. And we hiked up Brastown Ball here a couple weeks ago and just sat up there on the top. You know, they got that observation tower up there and just sat out on the bench. Man, just started talking to me about the election. Everywhere I go, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Just confused. See, preachers don't know what to do. Preachers don't know what to do. They don't know how to teach people. I'm teaching you to fight. Let me tell you something. You pray, get on your knees, pray, and ask God what to do. He'll show you who to vote for. Don't care who you are, you need to vote. And I see one of them men that was running for president vowed to stand with the. Party winner went and rode in. Somebody that wasn't even running. I said, "How ignorant are you? Dividing instead of standing." Because I'm gonna tell you, they, they one things got really got me voting. And that's the Supreme Court. If you don't vote for nothing else, you need to—you need to vote for that Supreme Court to keep conservative judges on that bench. Because they 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 said this next president could replace one to four of the justices, and if it's a liberal in office, they're gonna try to put liberals in. We don't need any more liberal justices. We're fighting too hard to keep our constitutional rights as it is. Y'all hear me? It's time to pray. I ain't ta- I ain't gonna tell you who to vote for. Don't come ask me. I'll tell you pray. Let God speak to you. Let God. But my God, go vote, and don't write somebody's name and they ain't running. And don't vote for somebody that ain't got a chance to win. I mean, candidates out there running 2 and 3 and 4 percent, and people going to go vote for them. You're wasting your vote. Well, I don't know who to vote for. I'm just going to stay home. Then you stay home, don't vote. I don't want to hear your complaints. I don't want to hear you complaining because things ain't right. God give you the, the mind to vote, the ability to vote, and you got the right to vote. Go vote. Amen? Right. Go vote. Let the Lord lead you who to vote, but go vote. Because whether you realize it or not, you're fighting for this nation. And we need our liberties in this nation. Because you don't want to try to preach the gospel in a nation that's turned against Christianity. No, you don't. And there's a war against Christianity. Is there not? Y'all can't see it right now. But I'm, I remember when the Lord told me, let me see if there's any of these over here I need to I got about another half dozen scriptures, but I think I'll just wait and bring them out later. Now, I think I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians. and Let's see, is it 1 Corinthians? Yeah, it's 1 Corinthians, ninth chapter. I won't bring this now. But I remember the Lord told me years ago. Y'all remember that Supreme Court justice in Alabama went through all that because he wouldn't let them take the commandments off the courthouse walls down Montgomery? And they suspended him. Well, he run for governor and didn't get it and they put him back on the bench and now they just suspended him again <laughs> cuz he stood up against them uh against this marriage equality stuff. Wouldn't issue he told all the the probate judges in Alabama said don't you issue marriage license for them people. He said I don't care what spring court says. He said it ain't up spring court, he said it's up to the states. And he said the state of Alabama said you ain't going to do it. <laughs> and they suspended him again. But back probably around 2010 2011 might been earlier but when they were fighting to keep the commandments on the walls of the courthouse in the state of Alabama Lord told me he said I'm not a religion I mean Lord spoke right here he said I'm not a religion he said I'm not Buddha I'm not Muslim he said I'm not Confucius he said I'm the true and the living God He said, when they take my laws and my words off their courthouse walls, he said, they're going to taste my wrath. Y'all hear me? So it's important what we do. It's important how we pray, and it's important what we pray for. That's the reason you need to know what you believe. You need to know what you believe. We're in a warfare, children. You ain't fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting against... Just exactly what I'm talking about, you fighting against governments. It was the government of her Kentucky put that woman in jail a year or two ago when she refused to issue that marriage license for that perverted couple. They've taken people's businesses and fined them hundreds and thousands of dollars because they wouldn't bake a cake or fix a bouquet or they ain't right. That's an attack on Christianity. When somebody says, I refuse But now you can walk into a Muslim bakery or anything like that, tell them you want something Christian done, they'll refuse to do it. They won't touch them. We're under attack. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Rulers of darkness of this world. That's your witchcraft. That's your soothsaying. That's your voodoo. That's the forces of hell. I want nothing to do with it. But we've got to learn to fight. Amen. We've got to learn to fight. So I'm going to read you this out of First Corinthians, the ninth chapter. And I'm going to start at verse 24. I hope y'all appreciate this word today. Because I can tell you when you preach like this, it costs you. <laughs> I don't expect no kickback from y'all. But everybody's watching this and hears this cassette, He says it's going to cost me. Because I stand. I stand and I believe. You've got to stand and you got to believe. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians 9 chapter. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Well, how about that? I said you've got to have self-control in all things. Hmm. That's what it says. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Paul said, I don't just get out there and flail my fist. He said, I know how to fight. I know how to fight. I know what I'm doing. I don't just get out here and fight as one beats the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. You've got to learn to fight. Amen. You've got to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. What did God tell us a couple weeks ago? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And people who quote that scripture don't have no idea what it means. They don't have no idea how to fight. God wants us to be warriors. Amen. Show me a warrior that can go put armor on and don't know what to do with it. I remember years ago the Lord gave my vision and uh, my wife a vision. She saw this beautiful shiny armor. Beautiful shiny armor. She done research on it and everything. She was going, I think she may have taught her in one of the ladies' meetings or something, but she saw this beautiful, shiny armor. She even researched the boots that they had. You know, the ones that come up, and then on the bottom of them had big spikes where they could anchor their feet in a battle, and they couldn't get pushed back and couldn't get moved and knocked off balance. Lord took her into, I think it was a vision, could have been a dream, but I believe it was a vision. She saw that beautiful armor. Didn't have one nick on it. Didn't have one bloody spot on it. Didn't have one scrape mark on it. It was sitting against the wall. (laughs) And the Lord told her. He said, it ain't doing you no good right there. There wasn't a scuff mark on it nowhere. You know, them men used them shields as weapons. A lot of times they used them for weapons. To push and fight and hit and drive the enemy back. There were scuff marks on them. There was dings in them. There was dents in them. There was blood on them. The Lord told me back in 95, He said, there's only one of the weapons of the warfare in Ephesians 6. He said, that's an offensive weapon. He said, everything else you use for defense. And He said, all my people are doing is defending themselves against the devil. They ain't fighting. If you don't ever get on the offense and go after the enemy and go after things... And he said, that's the sword of the Spirit. He said, everything else generally is to defend yourself. The helmet, the shield, the breastplate, the gurdon, the boots. He said, that's all to defend yourself with. He said, you better take that sword of the Spirit, learn how to use it. And the Lord showed me, he said, that sword of the Spirit he said it can kill, it can wound, it can maim. Or he said it can cut every tie and every bond. He said, depending on how you use it. He said, you've got to learn how to use it. got to learn how to use your weapons, because they're not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, through the direction of the Spirit of God. They're mighty. To what? To the pulling down of strongholds, to the casting down of imaginations you know the devil will work in the midst of the body of Christ and put thoughts in people's hearts about different members of the body because people draw back. Because people draw back one from another. Amen. It takes every joint to supply. What God's put in your life needs to supply strength and wisdom and understanding to somebody else. Every joint supplies. So when the devil puts division there, it's to separate. And Jesus himself said, a house divided can't stand. Is that right? Is that right? house divided can't stand. I appreciate the Lord today. And this just come in my spirit. I don't know how many of you are wishy-washy on abortion. But the Lord said that question for me years ago. I was praying about it. Because, you know, it got really out on the front in our country several years back. And I was praying about it, and the Lord spoke to me. Gave me the scripture where when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary had just conceived Jesus. And when she walked in and spoke, John the Baptist leaped in her womb. John the Baptist leaped in her womb, six months old, and she said she he heard the voice of the mother of his Lord. So Jesus was done in that womb. John the Baptist was in that womb, six months old. Hallelujah! There was life in that womb. I settled it for me right there. I said, God, I don't need nothing else. I settled it for me right there, and that was all scripture. Lord's good. Amen. How many of y'all appreciate this word today? Appreciate the working of the Spirit? I do. Cause God's talked to us today. Amen. Let's ask God to help us hide this word in our heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, hide this word in our heart, Lord. Hide it in our heart that we sin not against you. And let give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. God, you work in this situation with my wife's family, Lord. God, you stand up for my daddy-in-law. God, by your mercy, by your grace, move in his heart, move in his life. God, bring him in to serve you, Lord. Good man, he loves you. Start revealing your truths to him and open his understanding. God, move in your people and let this word become a fire it become a fire shut up in their bones like you did Jeremiah I'll give you honor and praise in Jesus name amen and y'all just y'all y'all pray for my wife because she couldn't be here today because her daddy's in the hospital and she's she's there for her mama and she said it's what I got to do I said Lord understands and the people understand she didn't want to miss but she said I don't know what's gonna happen next week either She's supposed to we supposed to go to Alabama and preach Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and I wanted her to minister, but you know, she said, I don't know what's gonna happen. I said, It's all in God's hands. We ain't gonna worry about it. Amen. Well, we still need to pray about it. Can y'all do that? Can y'all pray about these situations? And I know she's not here next week. Sister Kathy and Sister Susie's supposed to be gone, but Justin's gonna be working. Y'all may have to bear the brunt of my message. But that'll be all right too. I really been praying about this. Okay. And God has really been talking to me. He said the only thing that's going to come out this election will be He is a true He is. what I'll tell you what I felt six months ago and I talked sister Daniels and I told her this I said Donald Trump wins I said he's not gonna stay in office he don't want it he just wants to know he can get it I said whoever he selects to be his vice president he will resign after a certain length of time and I may have told y'all some of y'all this I said he will resign after a certain length of time and I said whoever that vice president is I said will be the man that will lead this country And I said, I believe God's going to let him make the right choice. That's what I felt. And I I may have told you, Sister Kathy, I told Sister Daniels, I've told my wife, I've told several. I said, if he gets it, I said, he don't want it. He just wants to know he can get it. I said, because he's only going to put up with the aggravation of it so long. And when he can't get done what he wants to get done, he's going to give it to his vice president. So, we need to pray. Amen. It's just like God... Yeah, I believe he will. I believe he's a good, godly man. It's just like when I saw George Bush on his knees in that vision in 2000, a month before the election. He was on his knees in the White House, in the Oval Office. There's a big rug there it has got the presidential seal on it. I saw George Bush on his knees weeping. Didn't see his face at first. He was on his knees crying out for God to give him wisdom to lead the nation. And he raised up, and I saw his face. It was George W. Bush. And the Lord said, you tell my people. To pray. Put the right person put the right man in office because this country is fixing to go through calamity. And y'all know what happened. Lord ain't like I said, he ain't showed me nothing. But I'm gonna vote in favor of the Supreme Court. Somebody asked me, said, "What no matter who you gonna vote for, I said, I ain't voting for nobody, but I'm voting against a lot of things. <laughs> and a liberal Supreme Court's one I'm voting against. Amen the persecution on Christianity I'm voting against and God can give us strong leaders in the midst of adversity so let's pray cause next time I see y'all we'll have a new president amen and I want the right person I want God's person be put in office and you tell people go vote don't waste your vote don't be stupid writing Donald Duck don't be silly I saw one of them senators up in the northeastern part of the country. Said she was gonna write somebody else's name in. Republican she said she gonna write somebody else's name in, and she stood there, and they interviewed her, and she uh, she agreed with every one of the policies that the Republicans were standing for and running for, and she said, "I'm gonna write somebody else's name in." I said, "You don't even need to be a senator. You don't even need to be a senator." It's time to pull together. It's time to pray together. It's time to seek God. This nation's raised up to preach the gospel and send it to the ends of the earth. We need America's prosperity to send the gospel. Amen? Is that right? So, y'all fight with me. Fight for your nation. Fight for your government. Because this ain't what God intended. The pollution and corruption and junk that's got in government, and I'm talking about on both sides, Ain't what God intended this nation to be. So we got to fight. Amen. Let's fight for the faith. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Stand on your feet and let's get some offering buckets out here. And do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Huh? I won't be here. I've got to go on in and get ready. And, and y'all can come pray. All right, prayer tomorrow night at 7, 7, 7.30, somewhere in between. I'm sorry, I just can't be here. we gotta, we got to get ready to go to Alabama first thing Tuesday morning. We're
0: going to pay you for that good message, brother. Praise God, I love you. <laughs> 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 I
1: appreciate the day God put you in my path, I you really know, do. Um, last week, brother, I <laughs> saying we turned over to Sister Pat maybe let her preach. And I was saying, I said, I'd be preaching hell far in down nation. I said, i That's all right. And that's what you said in the morning. I thought, come on, brother, man. I People don't preach, don't preach it like they used to. And they need to. Thank you, sis. I appreciate you. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you love me? You appreciate him? We're just going to pray and be dismissed. Y'all play, please pray for us, because like I said, I'm preaching Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Be back up here Sunday. And I still battle physically sometimes. But usually, God speaks to me. Go somewhere; He'll give me super strength. Y'all gonna be on the road, says Susie, next weekend, Saturday, going to Savannah. Have, uh, be at, uh, house at really? Yeah, and, uh, to be there it's, and then at Savannah. At, 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 well, at when you when you go to Sister Jennifer's house, walk up to her, just look her right in the eye. Said Brother Meadow wants to know. You got your Jesus on? Because <laughs> I was staying in her trailer. They had a travel trailer outside. They let us stay in it. And I was in there talking to her one night. Sister Angela was there and was talking about the Lord. And she told me, she said, I got discs all messed up, and I got one leg shorter than the other. I said, really? She sat down, and I looked at her leg, and it's about like that. And I said, okay. I walked outside. Just started meditating on the Lord. I felt that spirit. So I went back in to pray for her. And she says, Brother Meadow went outside and got his Jesus on. <laughs> Come back in and pray for him. So every time I see Sister Jennifer, and even sometimes I'll text her or call her, I say, got your Jesus on? She said, yes, sir. So you ask her. said, Brother Meadow wants to know you got your Jesus on. We're just going to pray and be dismissed. Father, I thank you for this word. Thank you for the working of the Spirit. I thank you for that spirit of prayer more than anything. Oh, mighty God. Be with us, strengthen us, keep us. God, give everybody you traveling mercies and grace. Yes, Let the name of Jesus be magnified and honored and praised. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And those of y'all that don't know, uh, y'all know Brother Scott at Twin City. He's a pastor. Mm-hmm. His wife passed. His sister, Jessie, passed away Friday morning. She passed away. His uh, His wife passed away. She, they just found out when I was down there, uh, when I preached that funeral down there, she had cancer. And and he uh, he called me. I think Justin was with me when he called me. And I prayed for her and said they just, it just eat her up. So, y'all keep her in prayer. And y'all, there's only two pages to each one. But y'all keep them in prayer. God bless you, I love you. Y'all pray for us, Okay.